you're not a good person. You're not doing yourself or society or your kid any favors by being disinterested in whether or not they succeed in life. Hello and welcome to episode one, two, three of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, January 1st, 2021. Yeah, we made it. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. And yes, we did make it. You can't tell me we didn't make it, sir. Ben Rose. From America's left coast, where hindsight is 2019. I'm Ryan Pemrose. No, it's 2020 now. You're, I've, I've been told I'm skeptical. You're, yeah, you're skeptical. You got the joke wrong. But Billy Bones from the Walk Through the Mind podcast, I'm sure he's got something pithy to say to introduce himself to all of the experts listening live right now on the No Agenda stream. Woo! And from a quiet little town, magical little town on the West Coast, up in the forest somewhere of Washington, I'm Billy Bones. Up in the forests of Washington. There's so many people. Billy Bones, Bem Roses, multiple Bem Roses, and Phone Boy. There's something weird going on in that Washington state. Yeah, we all want out. (laughs) This that it. (laughs) That's very true. Property values plummeting. I mean, it's 2021. It could be a whole new year. Oh no, no, no. Property values are rising. Really? As long as you're not in downtown Seattle. Everybody's fleeing downtown Seattle, moving out. There are not there are not active riots going on where I live, so people are still moving out here. So it's the one small step. So you're lucky you're not in Seattle. You could maybe uh, get somebody dumb to buy your property, and then you can get out of the state entirely. Is that the idea? That That's the idea, yeah. Nice. I'm not close enough to retirement, and the job I have right now is a pair of golden handcuffs that is going to keep me here <laughs> unless uh, things actually do hit the fan. Uh, I will be looking for more property. Uh, so another couple year, months outside of the state. <sighs> yeah. W- yeah. Wait for Biden's 100 days. You'll you'll get it. Biden or Trump, Washington state's getting the great reset. Yeah, for sure. It, that, that would be that would be the Inslee reset. Did you hear about uh, Sir, uh, Sir Bemrose? Do you hear about Lauren Culp's uh, campaign filing a lawsuit against Secretary of State? Uh, Kim Wyman for running a fraudulent election. I have not heard this. Now I want to. How have to. you Let not you heard more? this? Oh, that's right. <laughs> the mainstream media is I don't garbage. Fucking pay attention to news. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, uh, the Culp campaign, the Republican uh, gubernatorial governor uh, candidate for this yeah. last election, the the, the uh, one for whom uh, the, for whom most people didn't know a damn thing. Because they didn't even print his statement in the voter's guide. And they just, yeah, they slammed him on the radio as well without even having him on to explain himself. Uh, But uh, apparently the uh, voting roll or the voter registry was not updated before the election. And so uh, 
12,000 deceased voter voters received ballots. 10,000 had accepted returns. Whoa. That's pretty uh, good for yeah. dead people. Let's see. 10,000 out of 12,000. That's a pretty high percentage. My, my dad got a ballot. Wow. Yeah. Well, and we, we, we threw it out, but he got one. Well, see, that's one of the 2,000 that weren't returned. Uh, there were uh, 177,000 change of address uh, individuals, and I think 130,000 of those came in. Uh, and there's a handful of others uh, that other situations that didn't line up that of people that should have been removed from the voter rolls, the voter registration. And so because of that, uh, because of the lack of the um, updated voter rolls, this becomes technically a fraudulent uh, election. And so in theory, it, it will have to be run again if proven in court. Well, you know, but Billy uh, Bones, yeah. I just want to point out to you that there has been absolutely zero voter fraud in the 2020 election. Oh, that's right. It's baseless. It's been debunked there, already. There has been no voter fraud at all this year. None. Like no flu deaths. No voter Actually, fraud. Actually, there was a ton of voter fraud in 2020, but there hasn't been any this year. Not yet. But Georgia's <laughs> happening in a week, right? So, uh, yeah, it'll start. How bad are, are we predicting this? What what are the results going to be in Georgia? How bad is this going to be screwed? I mean, there was what, there was a live stream out of something I think yesterday. People were talking about where they were live hacking the voting machines in Georgia. That I mean, was two days ago. <laughs> that was two days ago, and it was a daisy chain situation because there's three computers uh, connected to the ballot counting system, and they but, got but, into one, and it's a matter of just. Getting, you get into one, you can get into the rest of the system. But no, I was told that these things have no connection to the Internet. Right. But they're connected to a network that has another computer that's on the Internet. Uh, that's totally safe. Yeah. Technically, the computer I'm sitting at is also connected to that because there's a router <laughs> in between that. That still kind of counts. Yeah. Well, people don't understand that. And that's the I, sad part about all this. I think the way they got in was even through a thermostat. See, OK, here we go. Here we go. It's like the fish tank in Vegas that got hacked. You know, it's the the, the, the Internet of Things is one going to be our downfall. But this is the kind of stuff that I mean, people don't understand, like, oh, your computer that you're doing this stuff on has Wi-Fi. OK, you're not connected to anything, but there's another Wi-Fi device that is connected. It's like they don't understand how hackers work, I guess. But the smart TV is hooked up for my convenience. Best user experience. It was a very smart thermostat, I'm sure, cold acid. And thanks to everybody who's tuning in live right now. New Year's Day, our regularly scheduled time here on Friday. We had a whole lot of fun last night on the Hog Story stream into the No Agenda stream. And I mean, we knew Harry Hamster. We knew what we were going to get when we, we invite any more. Uh, right before you came on, Billy Bones and I were talking about what happens once you get more than like three people on any kind of radio show or conference call and it's like three people it's easy enough to not really talk over each other a whole lot and you can kind 15 of 15 was a little much and it was up to like 18 maybe 20 at one point and we knew that's what we were going to get we were never trying to do a legitimate show this was a a virtual meetup more than anything else and i thought it was a fairly successful at that sir Matthew made it all the way until the end i had to send people home at like 2.30 a.m. Central Time 
And Sir Matthew, he he's not the sole survivor anymore because uh, a dude that's on uh, No Agenda Social, he goes by Mad Chuck over on No Agenda Social. He's done some artwork as well. So if you might have seen the name on the No Agenda Art Generator, he's over in Scotland and he was still drunk. Yeah, he cheated. It was already 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah, 7 or 8 in the morning. It's like, okay, yeah, you made it longer than anybody's going to make here. So he well, wins. It, it, I mean, what I'm saying is it was easy for him to continue being awake. Because it was it was nine in the morning by the time the rest of us were crashing. But he was up all night. So that's the uh, allegedly. I mean, according to him, that he he never uh-huh. had gone to bed. He was out. Some of us. Some of us need our beauty sleep. Some more than others. We won't mention yeah. who. Bemlet. Um, but I thought you're going over to Bemlet's today. Is that like a New Year's slash Christmas slash COVID party? What's going well, on there? I really have no idea because he kind of bailed out without figuring out what the situation is but i'm, I'm not going to go on into that on this show um, i did want to go back to to this this uh culp lawsuit um i pulled up a, a story on this one and he he is apparently suing the uh the auditors for nine counties uh whatcom islands gadget king pierce thurston kitsap spokane clark and the director of the washington department of licensing um those are pretty much all of the counties that voted for Inslee. But since they have about 60% of the population of the state, um, what I can't, what I can't find immediately. And I'm wondering if you have Billy is, uh, do you know, um, do you know what the margin was and whether or not, even if you threw out all those votes, it would matter because my understanding was that uh, Inslee took like 60% of the population of the state which is why it wasn't a particularly contested election. And I don't know the margins and it's not going to be uh, the margins that uh, flips it uh, because it, the, it, he cope was just swamped, but the whole point is to have that the whole election thrown out due to uh, such a shoddily run situation. Well, how, how about throwing out the whole election due to it was all done by mail? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, wait, we don't do that. Well, okay. So here's the problem with, with that. It's, it's a noble goal. And, uh, here's the problem with it. The Washington state Supreme court is fully compromised and completely loaded with partisan leftists. Um, see also how, um, every time that Tim Iman puts out, uh, a, an initiative that says we want $30 car tabs. This is a perennial thing. You've probably been there. Um, every time they put one, the Supreme court comes back with, well, uh, that violates the, the multiple, uh, multiple subject rule because it talks about cars and tabs. And yet, uh, initiative 1639 totally passed Supreme court muster. So, um, the Washington Supreme court is at least as compromised as the one in Pennsylvania. I'm in, Full agreement with that, and that's a that's an audio clip I've been meaning to pull from right before, like the day or two before the election. Here, uh, one of the judges uh, running for the Supreme Court came on to the radio and was talking about how he was being told uh, for I don't know a couple weeks, couple months before uh, the election day to drop out uh, because if he didn't, things were going to get hairy and dicey and uh very uh, what's the word uh the massive amounts of corrupt being well 
corrupt is one word, but massive amounts of money being uh, part uh, partitioned to go to the uh, election races. And again, he was told to drop out. Otherwise, uh, things would get uh, gross and scary. And they're like, well, why didn't you come out earlier? And he's like, well, I didn't want it to be, you know, it sounds like my I was, knees broken. Right. Yeah. Right. There, there's that. And then he's, they're like, well, why didn't, why are you coming out now right before? And instead of after he's like, well, so this way, when I lose, it's not, I'm not blaming someone after the fact I'm blaming someone before the fact and how this is all sketched and, and disgusting. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it, and, and for, by the way, for those people who don't know what uh, initiative 1639 was, it was a gun control law that passed the state uh, a couple of years ago. Um, it was, it had God, how many subjects did it have? It had uh, 17. Yeah. You, you have to, like it, it was all about guns, which was what the the Supreme Court kind of went with is oh all about gun, but it had uh, mandatory licensing requirements, mandatory training requirements. Uh, it was the you know, one of the big problems was it criminalized um, if if somebody steals your gun from your house and goes and commits a crime with it, then you can be held accountable for that crime. Uh, right. the, the, the victim. Um, it's it, it dug uh, into HIPAA. Yeah, it it yes, it did. It it tried to gut HIPAA, and I think that part might have actually been thrown out. Um, it raised the age requirement for uh, it completely destroyed the Second Amendment for anybody eighteen to twenty one because it raised the requirement that you can't get guns unless you're twenty one. Period. Um, yeah, it, it had a dozen subjects. Anyway, yeah. Well, and that's yeah. the problem with laws overall there's no question about it but with all of these election questions this all comes down to the fact that all it takes is a few small areas to be corrupt to totally overturn either a local or a national election that's kind of what we've learned yeah yeah and uh you know in in the age of biden um we are i wish lauren culp luck uh, in, in challenging this election and if anything good comes out of it uh, hopefully what comes out of it is, is more skepticism on the part of the public. Not that I expect that of the public in a left coast state like this, but it, it could happen. I want, I want more people to, uh, fewer people to just blindly believe what the officials are telling us when an election comes out. And if that happens, it's a win. Um, ideally you, you know, we, we start working on these voter roll purges and people start to, you know, we, we remove all of the dead people and the moved people and miss wrong addresses from the voter rolls. And, and oh, God forbid that maybe some people who moved and didn't mention it or anything have to re-register to vote at their new address. That would be so inconvenient. You know, that that's disenfranchising voters, I was told. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe the fix is we throw out the voter roll and say for 2022, everybody needs to re-register. How weird would that be? We'd have clean voter rolls course now we've got judges in in georgia for example who when when a county auditor actually does try to go clean up the voter roll and remove all the dead people from it a fucking judge is saying no you can't remove these yeah and, and uh i don't know how anybody expects things to work correctly when all this stuff happens i mean just what you just said with the uh 12,000 ballots that were sent out to people who were dead it's like um 
I think that's enough to sway an election. So I don't know what the answer is to this, because it seems like the system is so screwed up. You'd almost have to start at the beginning. I mean, or does it is it as simple enough as uh, everybody just goes back to paper ballots? You have to show up and uh, show ID. I mean, which will never uh, happen. The, as far as uh, a clean slate, Sir Bemrose had a, uh, the easiest situation available, which would be purge the purge the registration. Everybody has to re-register uh, for 2021 because there will be initiatives coming down the pike uh, here in King County, at least for uh, the BS rules that they're going to uh, pass here in the first of January or the uh, first couple weeks, the first session. And that way, you know, who is at least there? Uh, should it be purged every every other year, every six years or whatever? Maybe just to but, guarantee but you know- that there's no there's no extra garbage in there but you know that won't happen especially in places where the ruling party is benefiting from inaccurate voter rolls good enough for government work you know like like i was i was telling my socialist friend when i was feeling particularly sarcastic you said uh you know he said well i haven't seen any evidence of, of voter fraud this year and i said well of course you haven't because you're incapable of seeing it because it's systematic voter fraud and you've been the beneficiary of systematic voter fraud for as long as you can remember and therefore you know, it, you know i was i was parroting and I, i'm i'm too hungover right now to say exactly what it was <laughs> but i was parroting the arguments back to him whenever i've been sitting here and having to put up with a fucking lecture where he says that i'm white and that means i'm racist and don't even know it like you're a democrat and that means you're benefiting from voter fraud and you don't even realize it because it's been happening so much and it's systemic that's really what's happening at least in my state and apparently systemic in pennsylvania privilege. georgia Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's exactly it. You can't, well, you use their logic against them and that's, they, it just falls upon it, deaf ears. Yeah. Well, it also spawned an outburst, which was entertaining. Oh, well, see, now that, <laughs> that could be entertaining. Okay. Surprise, so you I would use your privilege to point out someone else's privilege in their fuck yeah. privilege. In. <laughs> what, what else is my privilege good for? It isn't getting me my rent. It, it's not getting up and going and getting me another cup of coffee. What am I supposed to do with this privilege? That's a good question. I did, I did a real quick when when you mentioned the, the Lauren Culp lawsuit, I did a real quick search on uh, and I wanted to call out the, the very first result on. And this isn't even Google. This is Bing News. The very first results uh, was from. Not, not from a local station. That was, uh, the, the first local station was a third result was King Five, but the first result is from the Miami Herald because obviously they are keyed in to Washington politics. The, the algo definitely <laughs> nailed them as the first top result. <laughs> and it says, quote, losing candidate for Washington governor sues over unsubstantiated voter fraud. And when you put a biased adjective right there in your headline uh do you think that that makes anyone more likely to read your story is that is that how this works i mean you've got either the people that you're totally turning off by being biased and we can see it or you have the people who are already on board and do you really need to put that in there just like why do you add unsubstantiated to the headline for fun or is it because you're all retards Uh, anyway because they're not journalists Yes, that that might be it. And that is the problem. There is seriously a major problem in the world when you have no legitimate journalists, when you have that. I mean, I remember growing up in social studies, history, whatever the class was called, 
being told that the the whole body of people that were the reporters that were the journalists were like a third another a prong to make sure that things didn't go horrible in the United yeah. States. That was a big the part of the state. state. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's that big checks and balances thing that was working for so long. I, I, I too remember being propagandized as a child. Yeah, <laughs> see? But uh, that was the truth back then. That yeah, uh, where do you where not do if you, you ask my dad. Uh, I'd like to go with, with this. Where do you put Bill O'Reilly? Someone who was uh, a talking head on the TV, on the uh, talking box, and now as a, do you want to call him a podcaster or a, a, a YouTuber? What do you want to call Bill O'Reilly now? Uh, he, does he qualify as a journalist or has he lost his pre- press credentials and no longer qualifies? Well, I don't think you need to have press credentials to be a journalist and from what, well, what I can what, tell that he what has press credentials staff. give you is, is perverse incentives to lie and propagandize. Uh, I, I, you know, I am certain that, you know, it's somewhere working in, in some local agency somewhere and, and slamming into glass ceiling because this attitude is not conducive to, to going up in the journalism, the corporate journalism space, but somewhere there is an honest journalist who is really genuinely trying to go find out the truth and and report it to people and it, it, this shit does not work in in corporate news america which is why that person is probably you know sitting in in some no name county in western kansas or something but there exist honest journalists who really buy into the idea that if you're a journalist you want to be you want to go find the truth and you want to report it and you want to get it out to people that is not what the incentive structure rewards in corporate news America. And so at, at the top level, you don't get to, to be an anchor on, on MSNBC or, or Fox or CNN, unless you toe the line and do exactly what your corporate overlords say. And therefore the incentive structure that rewards propaganda is pretty much entirely dominant at the national news scene. It's one of the reasons why when doing research for this, this show, I always try to I prefer local news sites. I mean, they tend to be compromised too, but not as much as the national ones. Well, and they're certainly trying to find out the truth about what's going on in the local area. And I think at this point, there are more journalists who are not necessarily attached to a large network or a large newspaper that are independent because that is one good thing about this new system we have with the internet allowing for somebody who wants to do a show like we are to be able to put that out there. And that's what O'Reilly's doing. And there are other people that are doing this as well. And he has paid subscribers and he's been picked up on some radio stations and on uh, one, uh, what's it, one American News. There's one of these uh, streaming things that has also picked up his program, but I believe he's a guy that's trying to get to the truth. He has a staff that tries to find out the facts before he's, I've been watching pretty closely his show since this pandemic thing started. And he seems to be pretty good with only reporting things that he has a good amount of proof or things to back it up. Not what you're seeing from a lot of these networks, even at this point, which is all just, oh, anonymous sources say you don't hear that on O'Reilly's show. And that, to me, leads to believing 
it's more accurate. There's still a bias. I mean, everybody understands there's always going to be a bias with whoever is giving you the news. But I think he's old school enough. And there used to be a lot of people who were very liberal when it came down to their politics, but they were journalists and they would report the story accurately, whether it put their side in a good light or not. And I think that's just what we're getting uh, harder and harder to find. And I don't know how you vet people, though. How do you vet people? And I've asked this question before. How do you know what a good news source is? Because how do you even judge the accuracy of if, when you're dealing with stuff like politics? How do you know the accuracy? Because everybody's lying about it. And if one guy's telling the truth and 10 people are lying, how do you figure out that that one guy that's telling the truth is right? And the other 10 people that are saying the other thing but are lying are lying. There's no obviously way you to- go with with whichever one agrees with your preconceived notions. <laughs> well, that- don't don't look at source material that takes time out of Netflix and chill. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. There's only so much source material, too. Well, I think I think O'Reilly is actually in a pretty enviable position at this point, because, uh, like I said, the, the corporate incentive structure isn't there for him because, frankly, he, he was the hipster of cancel culture. He got canceled before it was cool. That's true. And and that puts him in a position where uh, he hasn't even, you know, a lot of the people who got canceled this last year are, are in a position where they're like, Oh shit, what do I do? And then desperately trying to claw their way back into the cage. And O'Reilly was out and was like, okay, then screw you. I'm going to do my own independent thing. And I think that's, you know, there there's, it's, it's heuristic for deciding who, who do you want to trust? Because there's no, uh, despite what Facebook or Twitter will tell you, there is no absolute you know, criteria that says this person is telling the truth and our fact checkers say it. Right. Um, but, you know, a lot of the heuristics are are what are the motivations? Who is who is paying this person to say something? And uh, one of the reasons why the value for value model, for example, is so good is because who is paying us to say stuff? Well, that would be the people we're saying it to. And that right there is inherently more honest than having a corporation or advertisers paying someone to say something to someone else, because then you're just propagandizing, uh, which reminds me, I, 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 a point that I had wanted to bring up was that the fourth estate has not died. The fourth estate has moved to podcasting. Yes. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's just it's going to take some time for people to be able to weed through and decide who is doing accurate work and who is doing propaganda because the propaganda does exist. And I do believe we're also going to run into a problem, I guess it would be the only word to use for this. There was a article we talked about, I think, fairly recently, which was somebody on the left going, hey. Has anybody looked at podcasting? That's where all these alt-right people are going, and they're scary, and they're bad. And beyond the the concept of deplatforming, and we've covered that, and that's not going anywhere, it, it doesn't seem. But I think the problem you're going to have is the left is going to understandably get out there and start putting out more and more fake news. And we also don't know. <laughs> I, Do you think... <laughs> At what point does they do this? They, they just ramp it up more and you're like, okay, what does that do? Well, I mean, here's my, here's the interesting thing when, from my angle on this would be if people had never heard us before and we decided to do our podcast and we decided right up front, which is like, 
you know, let's, okay, let's talk about what we believe. And you're, I think, fairly libertarian, and I think I'm fairly libertarian, but we could have decided. called an anarchist more than once. <laughs> we could have decided, you know, that we were going to start a podcast and we were going to play the parts of the ultra Sean Hannity or, you know, Alex Jones, whoever, you know, the most, you know, total whack job on one side and then just propagate that to then try to discredit the other side, which, you know, I've always wondered, you know, why, I mean, it would be a long con, but people are done a lot longer cons for lesser things. I'm just waiting for the first president that'll get elected, you know, as say a Democrat that rises up through the democratic party as a big liberal. And then the minute he gets elected to the white house, it's like, I'm sorry, I was lying. I'm actually a conservative. Screw you all. And I mean, I mean, that kind of happened four years ago. Well, no, it really didn't with, I mean, Trump was still Trump more, is no fucking Republican, you know, but he's more conservative than he is. He's more conservative than a lot of the Republicans, which is also weird. Well, if you he's only playing still, to his base, he's WWE. He's a showman, which is, he is going to give you the best visual product. The one to tune in the one to root for the root for the heel root for the guy, the underdog. That's what he's giving you. It's all a show. You got to keep that well, in mind. Uh, yeah, to, to Darren's point, he's playing that part to a T. Yes. It, but, I, I, you know, what tr- saying Trump is conservative is is really just acknowledging that he, he is because I, I don't know if you've noticed, he's actually not the kind of person who gets easily swayed by popular opinion. Or even pays it or even pays attention to or acknowledges popular opinion in a lot of cases, which is um, why. People but if you are him. standing still. When when a giant flood is sweeping everything in the whole world to the left and you are standing your ground, then you are suddenly going to look like you're getting more and more conservative. Yes. And are you saying Trump is Moses? (laughs) Maybe I'm sure there are a lot of people who believe that and then go post pictures of green frogs. And then Uh, I believe (laughs) he's there's going to be two inaugurations. Adam Curry said it. He believes that on January 6th, there's going to be dueling inaugurations and uh i don't know i i don't know if the republicans that have been around for as many years as most of these have in the house and senate i don't think any of them are willing to play that game because they are all shills when it comes down to it trump may be the only leader this country has that is an elected person right now because everybody else is nothing but a shill trying to protect their own power. And I mean, I understand Trump's trying to stay president, well, but the reality is, you know, he certainly didn't have to run for president. He didn't need to put this on his resume. He didn't need it to get rich. I mean, Joe Biden was a guy that didn't start rich and now has millions and nobody's going, huh? Nancy Pelosi, where'd she make her millions? Huh? Trump came into this with the money. He didn't need to do this to make any money. He didn't need to do this to pad his bank account. You know, I think he Being- did this as a feather in his own cap. And I understand he's a narcissist. Sure. But, Name one president that wasn't. Uh, Name any person in power that's not a narcissist. Me. <laughs> Lie. <laughs> Lie. You know, it's it's certainly it's certainly the rule in Washington, D.C. for someone to be a total corrupt swamp creature. And in fact, the weak willed ones like, uh, for example, Omar and, and a- a Cortez, um, even if they don't go in being completely compromised swamp creatures, they become it quickly because they have no willpower of their own. 
saying he's the only one, I don't know. You know, there are people out there who do make names for themselves for not being entirely corrupt Uh, right now. You know, I never thought I'd say this about a Democrat in, in this year, but Tulsi Gabbard is impressing the fuck out of me. Um, yeah, I like Tulsi. Uh, Josh Hawley is is pretty good. Ron and Rand Paul. Yep. I always like that. You know, there are people out there who still seem to be behaving as if they're representing the people, but but they're in such a minority. Right. Like, well, that's it. what were there? Six people who voted against this abortion of a fucking stimulus bill. And there's what? A hundred senators and what? Three hundred and something House members. So, I mean, there's like five hundred total and uh, we can five hundred and thirty five like, total. And we can name like five five in the House, <laughs> hundred in the Senate. So about one percent maybe is OK. Oh, we we might, I, I think we need to take a break for a moment for station ID. Uh, just in case there is anybody who tuned into the live stream late uh, for for any uh, European Slavs who might have missed the beginning of the show. Happy New Year. Um, Happy New Year, and uh, we are here on Grumpy Old Ben's with Sir Billy Bones as our guest host. Good morning. Yes, of a Walk Through the Mind podcast. I I only mention that because there might be some people who don't tune into the beginning of the show and then complain on No Agenda Social purely hypothetically. They tune into the middle of the podcast. Yeah. Just drop the needle. Well, you have to set the metadata because Doug was not playing with us today, so... Doug doesn't have the, the right metadata. I don't know what you did to piss off Doug this morning. It was Rhino. He he touched him wrong before he went on, I guess. And uh, Doug Doug was not having a good New Year's. I don't know Machine why. Machine learning will save the world. Yes, yeah, right. So Doug will save us all. Um, <laughs> there's no question about it. If we and if you don't know Doug, you need to go to noagendastream.com. Get yourself an account over <laughs> there. Get into the IRC chat. Party like it's 1988 all over again. And then you can get an invite to No Agenda Social where you can interact with CSB. We haven't talked about CSB yet today. And he's always sad. And, and let's not. When we don't talk about him. <laughs> I will tell you, though, if if you have to pick an evil AI to get enslaved by, you could do worse than Doug. True. True. He he will share his taquitos with you every now and then. Yes. And and he. Yes. Things happen. So anyways. Um, anyway. Tech stories. <laughs> Anyways, this is 2021. Yeah. Bemrose has gone to the anyways side. You'll deal. You'll, you'll figure it out somehow. Yeah. You'll you'll cope. I mean, we, um, we never talked okay. about the, the fact that uh, on Christmas Day, Apple system was so overloaded. People couldn't register their new devices. Yay. I did. I read that one and it was in my notes for for a show and a half. And then I went, eh, old news. It is. Um. Okay, actually, you know what? I want to go. I want to go to Fantasyland for a moment, and and I, I wish this was actually a fantasy, but apparently it it looks like it might really be happening. Um, did you know that uh, in true Bond villain fashion, uh, Bill Gates is not satisfied with just killing all of us with a vaccine? He also wants to turn off the sun. Yeah, I remember <laughs> hearing this in a uh, story. I don't know some guy hearsay called like Zachariah Stitchin or something like that. About, you know, sending gold flakes up to the sun and and then uh, what's his name? That's the guy with the, the hair from Pulp Fiction. The guy with the hair. Yeah, yeah he's got an airplane. Bones. <laughs> I'm not good with actors. <laughs> he played in that, that one Neither movie the that actors. was the, the rewritten book from Zachariah Stitchin. Was it Homeworld or something like that? Planet Earth. Uh, you're welcome for uh, derailing the are conversation. You thinking, are you thinking Travolta? Yeah, that guy. 
The Scientologist, hair. yeah, the hair. The guy with the hair, obviously. <laughs> and the hair, right. Okay, from now on, John Travolta, <laughs> like Adam Curry, will be referred to as the guy with the hair. I don't know uh, how that all works out, but I mean, the Bill Gates thing, didn't this go back to when everybody thought it was global warming, so we have to cool the planet, so let's, let's you know, the sun seems to be warm, so if we maybe block that out a little, it, but nobody wants to actually yeah. then... Talk about the fact that maybe it's the sun heating up that is heating the earth up. But well, that, no, we need, we need to use man-made climate change to fix man-made climate change that has nothing to do with man-made climate change. Exactly. That is pretty much exactly it. Yeah, you you I mean, you, you read the story, too, then. Um, <laughs> the, the, it is a, a team at Harvard, a, a geoengineering team. Um, who has a project and the reason Gates comes up is because he provided 86% of the funding for this project. Uh, it quote plans to test out a controversial theory that global warming can be stopped by spraying particles into the atmosphere that would reflect the sun's rays. There's no way this could go wrong. No, not at all. <laughs> um, Don't bring up the- biological free lunches either. Now I read about this in the Blaze, and uh, which is is not actually a conservative publication, believe it or not. Um, the biggest problem that they saw, and the reason that that they, you know, the the concern that they called out is that we shouldn't do this because if it works, it might shift attention away from forcing people to cut greenhouse gases. So, if if we can solve climate change without ruining our economy we shouldn't because we need to ruin our economy that much right okay that's that's totally logical except not um the way i see it the biggest problem is uh hey what if just enter uh, you humor me for a moment what if for shits and giggles um climate change really is a hoax or or slightly overblown and you do this and you plunge us into a goddamn ice age, um, raising the temperature of the earth by one degree, which is will will make plants grow a lot more and will make people use more energy on air conditioning. Lowering the temperature of the earth by one degree will kill millions because people handle warm better than cold. So you are proposing to kill millions of people if you happen to be wrong about this settled science of climate change which what, actually is pretty much par for the fish? course for bill gates yeah think of the fish we're saving the fish i mean we're anti cake and fish co2 which is what every human being expels so if we just get rid of all human beings better i mean nobody yeah, i remember and, playing a video yeah. game called destroy all humans and did you no no cold acid says i must not Cold acid says I must not be human because I can handle cold better than hot. No, you're not. You're you're not human. You're Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, is that human? I mean, I don't know. Uh, apparently not. See, cold acid. Apparently, that, yeah. I don't yeah. know why you're talking about your Canadian brethren like that. That's that's offensive. Our polite neighbors to the north. Yes, and we will have none of that cold acid. None of that. We are not polite down here in America. But that we is the biggest no. problem with all the global warming stuff. Is well, it's, it's multi-pronged. One, nobody wants to admit that the Earth has always gone through stages. For some reason, it's always like what we're at right now. Oh, my God, this has never happened before. But it has. 
and there's data to back up that it's happened before. But I guess just like yeah, politics, like, if you don't teach like history, all of Greenland, <laughs> yeah, if you don't teach history, then you don't know you're repeating it. It seems well, it, brand new to you. It's a it's a balancing act of uh, alerting people to things that are negative to the environment, such as back in the day. I'm sure you guys know. You guys are old as dinosaurs. The yeah. uh, styrofoam Big Mac containers. Some very yes. young dinosaurs. Those, those were huge, and that got thrown out under the climate change banner. Uh, you had Greenpeace form under the under the purpose of climate change and more specifically pollution within the environment to make sure that people weren't polluting and making sure that everything was clean. And then that got hijacked into a uh, political fundraising uh, situation, turning into the climate change situation we have today. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, again, and started with. Yeah, go for it. Pollution, pollution in, in the oceans is, is a thing. It is a big deal. Uh, you know, there's the great Pacific garbage patch that people always point to. Now let's kind of ignore the fact that 90% of the plastic garbage in the ocean came, it went, entered the ocean through one of 10 rivers in India and China, who, by the way, Racist. you know, Paris Accord, we must completely nullify all human activity in order to protect the environment. But India and China don't have to because of, of globalist reasons, I guess. Oh, um, and they're the ones who are polluting the ocean. But anyway, wait, can we name two countries with more of a higher population than the United States, please? Um, the Netherlands. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> India, China. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Not the Netherlands. Yeah. We love the Netherlands. They have stupid Yes. Well, not only that, but they have uh, basically no environmental controls in in a lot of places. It, it is still customary in a number of places in rural India where uh, you you want to take out the trash. You don't put it in a bin and wheel it down to the the roadside like I do. You just throw it in the nearby river, and that's normal. You know, not not a lot of places. Most places in India are pretty well industrialized now. They have real services, but there's still places like that, and and it's not a cultural thing that that's bad. It's like, well, the river takes stuff away, so we don't want it anymore. Gone. And now out it's in sight, the ocean. And, right. and then you blame Americans. And, you know, I, I had uh, 12 months in 2019, mostly where I had to remember to take these stupid reusable fabric bags that turn into mold sucking <laughs> holes yeah. to the grocery store because I, because my city banned all plastic bags. And then they said, well, you also can't have paper bags because, uh, because we don't have enough trees. And I look around and I'm like, the fuck you say there's nothing but trees here, but Oh, we can't have, we, we, we can't have paper. either." So right. I had to go reuse use it. By the way, um, all of the restrictions on you can't have plastic bags kind of went out the window about to the time that that a, a fake pandemic showed up and everybody suddenly got really, really scared of these disease festering reusable bags. Yeah, I will say we've had groceries delivered a couple of times and it was, you know, this is all through our local grocery store, but they use ship, which is one of these other services. And we had the same uh, delivery woman a few times. And she packs the groceries in paper bags and then the paper bag in plastic bags. I'm like, that's a higher tip right there. <laughs> it's like uh, doubling your doubling your uh, carbon yeah, footprint. And, and But you know what? The bags don't break and you could actually carry the groceries then into your house. And that's a plus. That's kind of the whole reason you have a bag. Yes. 
Yeah. And and we're getting, you know, our, our waterways here. I just saw an article about the, the Snohomish River that goes or, uh, that goes through here and uh, talking about pollution in the river. You want to know what the the primary form of pollution in the river is? It's well, one is plastic bags floating by here. They definitely made a big deal about that and explained that that is why Everett has uh, banned all plastic bags and we need to go back to that. But you want to know the other solution? I bet you can figure this one out. What is the other major source of pollution in random un- non-biodegradable shit floating down our river? Pharmaceuticals from pee. <laughs> I, you know there might be masks oh yeah see that's the new problem masks Use masks. paper we are saving the fish from covid they're not by all donating paper. the masks they're not all paper they're not all paper there's a lot of them that are cloth we, and, and that uh, i mean cloth is biodegradable but it takes a long time no plastic masks for certain <laughs> individuals can't breathe I, 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 I was I was a big proponent when this mask bullshit started. I was big proponent that that if you really honestly believe that that you're infectious, then you really need a, just a saran wrap mask. Yes, yeah, saran wrap will stop the virus. That'll stop all airborne <laughs> particles and viruses that come out of your face. I do. And then we'll out, have Corona deaths. Please. You you're can, ruining it. I must have a uh, we must have a disclaimer. This is not medical advice. Do not take anything we say seriously. If you put saran wrap around your face and die it's not our fault then, then tiktok that shit <laughs> but yeah okay make a video <laughs> and go out with a bang i guess that's uh that's one way to do it. it i mean i really 2021 can we get rid of tiktok and all this just ridiculousness that people waste their time doing i mean this was the going great on. carrington event of 2021 uh, I, yeah i it, it's just unbelievable to me what people will put on these social media sites and it's going to end up ruining way more lives. People have no idea. I mean, I just did a story. It didn't happen. Well, I just, right. Well, picked it didn't happen. I just did the story on random thoughts about the girl that was 15 and, you know, freshman in high school dared to sing the N word along to a rap song when she was a freshman in high school. And then when she was a senior and got accepted to college, then some asshat, hosts the video and points it at the people at the college or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to revoke your whatever, you know, either her admittance or a, if she had a scholarship or something like that over something that idiotic, it's like, I don't know. I really do want to know where the rap stars are because if the white kids singing your songs are going to ruin their lives, their parents are going to stop them from listening to your music. And then you will all be broke. I just want to point that well, it's, out. It's the white people culturally appropriating uh, the music, and we can't have that anymore. And so yeah. that's why we are going to shame them. And so how does this how does this balance out when we're going to uh, ruin people's future careers over things they've done in the past as a freshman in high school, and yet there's certain individuals that want to lower the voting age? How do we balance this out when people can't make the proper decision on words to use or not to use? And yet we want to uh, let them vote emotionally uh, in elections when that's all you have as a younger individual is emotions and not wisdom and the ability to reflect on past uh, experiences. Well, it is. It is all emotion and it is all at that age. You're just totally programmed because, you know, no better. We were all were that age at one point. And the things we believed at that point as, you know, in uh, 
you know, junior high, high school, you know, and maybe into college for some people, you believed a lot of things because your parents told you or your teachers told you. And those you're seeing the schools are definitely overrun overall by leftist teachers and professors. The news media was overrun. If you go back and read the Weather Underground stuff from the 60s and 70s, Bill Ayers, good buddy of Barack Obama, you'll see that that was there was a few things that they knew they needed to do in order to get the change they want. And part of it was take over the school system, take over the media, and then it was hit the white against the black, hit the rich against the poor. And you look at what's been going on over the last you know decade or so, and you go, huh. You know, this seems like whether whether they had a hand in this or whether this is just the way the world went. I mean, you can there you can go either way. And there's probably a case that could be made conspiracy theory. I don't know. They didn't invent the idea of, of propagandizing a large population by making sure that, you know, misdirection saying, look, look at this horrible, evil thing that you should be afraid of. Pay attention to that and not to the people who are manipulating you. It's, it's, it's not new with but lizards, direct energy weapons. Probably nothing to do with those. It, yes, it, it's all it's the poor and the rich that are messing things up for the middle class. It's, and it's them. Digi Guru wants to know if we get rid of TikTok, what will Leo talk about? I don't know. But I will say it's been interesting. We've gotten more than a few notes from experts who have uh, donated and supported grumpy old Ben's. There's a lot of Leo hate out there, and it's kind of humorous because we all started in the Leo ecosystem. And I hold no ill will towards Leo. I just think his product lately has really gone downhill. I don't know why. What's changed? I mean, maybe he just got bored. It's possible he's been doing it for a long time. But there's a lot of people that don't like Leo. I, I don't hold any ill will toward Leo. I just don't see any reason why I should be continually reminded of his existence. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I, I don't think I could have a beer with Leo because he's not actually a good person. You've seen enough of his off camera, uh, you know, on camera, but but thinking, acting like he's off camera antics to know, you know, he, he, I don't think he's a good person to the people around him. But that's not my problem. That's the problem of the people who still put themselves around him. But he's kind of gone off the deep end in in a number of ways that just makes him not relevant for me. You know, when when I said earlier that podcasting is the new fourth estate, well, Leo isn't that anymore. Right. He, he was in in 2007. He was the first podcast I went to. And and then I saw, you know, John C. Dvorak and then. I saw, you know, a number of other things I got introduced to. You know, it, it was it was the Twit Network that introduced me to Tom Merritt because I was never a buzz out loud person. Right. But but then Tom Merritt came and did uh, the whatever it, yeah, the gave good news. tech news today or yeah. whatever on. And then and then, you know, Tom and, and Leo parted and they tried to make it look as uh, as sociable as possible. And Tom, who is forever the professional would not talk about the breakup other than, you know, we're, we're not, I don't work there anymore. And he started his new show DTNS. Uh, but Leo in the caught on camera moments was constantly for the next year and a half pitching shit at Tom Merritt. And I'm like, okay, obviously I know which one of these people I respect <laughs> and, and why would I care about that? And why am I even talking about this? Cause I just said that it shouldn't be relevant to me. 
Exactly. Is, he's in your brain, man. He's like CSB. Well, he, he's only in my brain. He's only in my brain because I keep forgetting to block CSB and that would <laughs> pretty much keep all twit news out of my world. <laughs> but you should, you should know what's going on in Petaluma at the big brick house. Well, it's January 1st. Is, is the brick house gone now? I guess I'll have to tune in and find out because I thought that was well, again, all, all going I mean, down. Petaluma is just a, a, a small part of California, which is another thing that I wish I didn't have to think about ever. <laughs> Don't you want to move there? You mean you want to get out of uh, Washington? You're not going just straight south. Don't you think I already lived there? It's like California light. It's like California wet. That's California. kind of where. Yeah, California without the good weather. There was a bumper sticker I saw a couple of years ago, and I wish I got a picture of it, but someone had uh, a silhouette of California with a plus sign and a silhouette of New York and an equal sign and a silhouette of Washington State. That's, yeah. what it, that's well, the combination, huh? The combo planner? All I'm going to say to all of the Californians and New Yorkers who have fucked up my state, I was here first. Get out. Yeah, it is going. I mean, there is something to be said, and I don't know what form it's going to take. But I think we mentioned it on one of the other shows, Rush Limbaugh saying he does believe there's going to be some kind of split in the United States in a fairly short period of time, maybe within the next 10 years, where some states are seriously going to try to secede and uh, and separate into two countries, which are the vast majority of the landmass, which is conservative. And the few small, highly densely populated areas like L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, um, of course, and, and Seattle. It didn't, it didn't work in 1860, but no. I, I, I would love to see it work because I'm in favor of more local governments, governance at all levels. And when you know, the, the United States, it, just like the EU, is just too big to govern effectively, and that is... That is the place where corruption leeches in. And it's the reason why globalism is doomed to fail horribly. Yes. Is it's just too big to govern. And they had the right idea when they first started the United States, where they said, uh, yeah, almost all the governance is going to happen more locally and only a few things are going to be handled federally. And, and, and that has gone away in favor of this collectivist notion of one size fits all we can create one set of rules and as long as we use enough force on everybody we can make everyone follow the same rules even though their situations make those rules completely ludicrous which is why the federal government should be nothing more than pretty much the military if you ask me i've actually seen a handful of good examples throughout this uh coronavirus situation uh, illustrating the uses and uh, administration tactics of local governance. Uh, going from a Vice episode I watched a while ago, uh, they went after Ron DeSantis of Florida for not shutting down the state. And then they went to some local city council and some guys like, I'm only 26 and I, I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I'm on the city council and we got to shut down the city because of coronavirus. And I'm sitting there going, that's how it's supposed to work. If you think your higher series of government is not doing the situation, you need to do that. And then a couple weeks later, Florida shut down. And then a month or two later, Florida opened up. And then they finally opened up that town that they were looking at saying, you know, going in with all the uh, uh, population restrictions within uh, uh, restaurants and whatnot. And now here on the West Coast, here in Washington, we have the exact opposite where uh, his emperorship, Lord J. fucking Inslee, 
has decided to shut everything down. And there's a lot of people that are uh, just rolling over being like, well, if it just saves one life, if it just saves one life. Right. And yet throughout. Yeah. And aren't, aren't these the same people who, if, if you disagree with them, they say they hope you die. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Think of the children. But there was a uh, county not too long ago, I think a week or two ago, that said we are no longer following Jay Inslee's mandates and the county is open. And Mossy Rock did that. Yes, that's is, who it is. Is that is that Lewis County? I think so. Yes. Now, how, but how much the of funny this thing stuff- is that, that that one borders against Thurston County with Olympia in it. So they're they're really close to Inslee. Well, and how but- much of this stuff is just being done to cause disruption and to cause uh, the public to turn the two sides to turn on themselves? Because the reality of the situation and somebody uh, posted this on No Agenda Social the other day that they are somebody they knew called up our governor's office here in the lovely, lovely state of Illinois, Governor Pritzker's office, and asked a question to the person that answered the phone, which was, so what's the fine if I go into a business not wearing a mask? And the answer was, there is no fine. It's not a law. And this is the, the disconnect for a lot of people is since it's not a law, the police can do nothing. So, I mean, if you're a business owner, you can ask somebody to leave. I mean, this is like the no shirts, no shoes thing, meaning there's no law saying you can't go outside without shoes on. But your local grocery store could say, if you don't have shoes on, we can ask you to leave. And it's our right to ask you to leave. But this isn't something that people are going to get fined. They're not going to get arrested. So the people that want to make a stand and rightfully so go out and do it. You can't get arrested for it. I mean, well, here here in Washington yeah. on that, tip, it's, it's you, much more nefarious the, here in Washington. OK, yeah, what's going on the, there? The store has the right to enforce or not enforce the mask mandate, as you just uh, said. But if Department of Health or LNI, I think it's LNI, or, or actually, Karen. yeah, to find out that there's one person without a mask, they can report you and the store or you as an individual won't get fined. But the store runs the potential of a $10,000 fine for and you losing its business license. Yes. For you not wearing a mask. Yeah. And for them not so, enforcing health mandate that, law mandates, that, not laws. That, mandates. that that is how Inslee got around the uh unconstitutionality of making it illegal to or uh, uh you know, forcing people to wear a mask is that he doesn't he puts no restrictions whatsoever on the individuals going into stores, but what he says is if Karen calls up and tells us that there was somebody in your store without a mask you lose your business license. Now, what yeah, can the uh, store do to mitigate this legally? So now if they confront the person and ask them to leave and they don't, are they supposed to call the you know, uh, authorities? Then it's trespassing and they can call the cops. Okay. I guess that's that makes the, sense. the only recourse that a store has is they can say, uh, you know, if you're not wearing a mask, please leave. And if somebody doesn't leave, then then it's trespassing and you call the cops. But it it puts all of the power in the hands of the store operators and of Karen's. And the result is, you know, when I go around my city, it's a roll of the dice trying to figure out which businesses are run by people who are completely bought in and a hundred percent on the mask mandate and which ones are more interested in being in business and more want, uh, would like my business. So, you know, I was in, I was in a, a local brewery 
yesterday uh, because uh, there there was drinking in last night, and I that that I remember. And you wanted um, fresh beer, and I needed fresh beer. In fact, I wanted to to buy local, so I went into a. It was a local microbrew that this is the only place that they have, and they brew out of their garage or wherever. And um, you know, I went in, and there was a big sign up because everybody, of course, does have to display the sign. And the sign says, you know, wear your mask. Don't make us ask or something like that. And I went in and the, the two people behind the counter were both masked up and the, the other, the one other customer in the store was masked up, but all of the people on the patio outside and their, their outdoor dining, which yeah, that's, that's another thing entirely is the, with the, holes the link, oh, just the links to which outdoor dining is gone. But anyways, Nobody said a damn word. I went in. I I bought the beer. It was uh because it was a local microbrew. It was horrendously overpriced, but it was tasty and but um it sounds like the businesses in order to cover their ass have to call the cops if anybody complains. I mean, I guess that's the that's the no. magic number because otherwise if they don't then they could get fined. No, the business if, if if Karen complains, the business is not involved until they get punished. Um the only that's like I said, that's why it's nefarious. If if you are in a business owner in Washington state, you are, your options are always enforce masks 100% and kick everybody out who goes in without one, which by the way, will put you out of business because you'll be uh, hostile to your customers. Or if Karen reports it, you might incur a crazy fucking fine. And it's a gamble. And, you know, we know that most people don't particularly want to wear masks. The number of people who are really on board with this are, are low. They're, they're certainly even less than the number of Biden voters. Well, but, see, now here's what I would start doing. I would start doing deep fakes. And I'm surprised the other, you know, anybody that's competing different restaurants or different microbrews, go into your competitor's area and just take a few photos and then Photoshop somebody in not wearing a mask and report them. And then don't if, be a dick. If you do this, don't be a every dick. business, then, you know, it kind of overloads the system, doesn't it? The Isn't only this, do, do well, it to Walmart <laughs> early on in this thing. Uh, Inslee did put out a, a, a site or something where you you should upload photos of people not wearing masks. And it got overrun within a couple weeks with dick pics. I'm not being evil, cold acid. I'm trying to find a solution for the problem. Because and also the only place that I would do that to would be somewhere that threw me out for not wearing a mask. And thus far, that has only happened in one place. It was a little curio shop that I went in and and you were lost, uh, obviously. Are you are you by curios a lot? No, I was with my wife. Oh, okay. She lets you tag Um, along. And and I went in and they're like, "Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but we really require you to have a mask in order to be in here. And I just turned around and left. I'm like, okay, then you don't need me to be your customer. Um, here's my advice, by the way, for any small businesses at this point, you have got to be completely dying and going bankrupt because of the lockdowns. Anyway, what have you got to lose? If you go out of business because the state pulls your license or you go out of business because you have no fucking customers, either way, if the state is going to be putting you out of business then you may as well do what you love and serve customers instead of sitting here being in fear of what Jay fucking Inslee is going to be doing over and over again. Well, yeah. And the we reality is one life. Nobody is really saying uh, there's no proof 
pointing back to massive amounts of people getting sick from restaurants and small businesses. Uh, but one of your local Costco's in Washington, I saw had like 130 or 40 people sick that had all had COVID. So, I mean, why are yeah, Costco's open? Which is hilarious because Costco is one of the most uh, fascist about enforcing masks. Like the one time I tried to go to Costco last year, the, the one time I tried to get in, uh, they would not even let me get in line for the door. You know, they've got the line where everybody's standing six feet apart. Uh, they wouldn't even let me get in that line. They had somebody checking and like, you need to be wearing a mask period. And they're like, I'm like, well, I, I don't, I'm not going to, I, and I'm like, I have a medical exemption. They said, well, in that case, let us, let us connect you with somebody who, you know, can, they, they, they are required. If, if you can't wear a mask, they are required to accommodate you somehow. And the way they wanted to accommodate was, well, you can instead wear this full screen face shield. I'm like that. That's okay. I don't need to be a, your, your fucking bubble boy. They say, I was, uh-huh. no, that, that would be even better if they had like one of those, uh, like 1960s imagined space helmets that were like a big thing <laughs> that could go over your head. That'd be awesome. You have to walk like you're on the moon though. Yes. Like those big long oh. steps. Oh, I, I, I thought maybe like, you know, you walk backwards, sliding your heels. Right. Michael Jackson esque. Yeah. Do, do the moonwalk. Have, yeah. I can only okay. do that in socks. Well, you practice, Billy Bones. Practice. 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 And, and in 10, puddles. 10,000 hours. <laughs> yes, uh, Sir Bemrose is curio-curious, I think, uh, Digiguru. And uh, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. So happened. Trump put out an executive order. Really? He only has a few more days. Yeah, he does that. Um, this one came out uh, maybe a week ago. Uh, but but apparently he was still working over Christmas period because... Uh, this one, the the reason this was notable is it's it's yet another one of those ways that doesn't seem to have much effect immediately, but weakens the the power base that pretty much caused our culture to be corrupted from within. Um, and it has it it effectively what it does is it if a public school refuses to let kids in for in person education, then this executive order directs federal funds to go for paying tuition and fees for a par- private or parochial school. That Amen. seems kind of fair. Yeah. And um, he the, the executive order is only two pages. And the first page and a half is all of the reasons why it's a terrible, terrible idea to force elementary school kids to try to work from home and talking about the, you know, the things we've talked about before, how, uh, grades are pathetic. Be, you know, the scores on standardized tests are, are terrible. How the average student who has been forced to remote school for all of this time has lost almost a full grade. And then it talks about the, you know, economic lifetime earnings that are lost because you don't have the education. I, I don't know that I buy into public school is, is giving you the, the skills required to make money later in life, because I kind of think those skills, most people I have get a high despite school public school. I have a high school diploma, no college diploma. Look yeah, at me. And I'm, a, I'm a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing pretty damn well. <laughs> I mean, not making money, but well, and then, well, and, I, and then to be fair, uh, Bill O'Reilly has a master's, I believe from Harvard and he's a podcaster. 
So there yeah. you go, Billy Bones. I, I, I have a I have a Bachelor of Arts in Computer Science from Washington State. What about your mathematics um, degree? Oh, I have a Bachelor of Science in Math too. I, I got two degrees. So sue me. Uh, <laughs> but I, I and then and then I had my you know I had my professors telling me, well, we'd really like you to stay on as as a graduate. And I'm like, fuck no. There's money out there, and you're not giving it to me. Yeah, there's money uh, in them. Their codes. Yeah. But anyways, um, so yeah, th- this particular, uh, executive order, it, it basically, it, it lists all of the reasons why these schools are freaking retarded and are severely harming kids by requiring elementary school kids to work remotely or to, to school remotely. And then provide, directs the housing HHX, whichever department that is to, uh, take funds from the quote community services block grant program. I don't know what that is, but it it's probably you know getting some of that federal money from you know gender studies in Pakistan or something. Um, oh, yeah, it's very important to direct funds to tuition and fees for private or parochial school, homeschool, micro school, or learning pod costs, or tutoring or special ed. So yeah, if. I don't know what it's going to take to make this actually happen or, or to get one of these grants, but it sounds like if your local public school refuses to open its doors and let anyone in, um, you might be eligible for a federal grant for homeschooling. That's interesting. Really? I mean, it, it makes sense. I think people should be able to have that anyway. I mean, I understand. Well, that's I that's am- what charter schools are. I'm an evil bastard. You're an evil bastard. And so far, Billy Bones is an evil bastard. None of us have kids. So the concept that we're being taxed to pay for a school system that we're not using, I've always looked at that as, you know what, it's good for the community. So I'm willing to do a certain amount of that. But Fuck the community. <laughs> well, see, this is where the problem starts. You you say a certain good at, at a certain point. It feels like I'm being bent over the barrel backwards on uh, supporting, doing my good thing, yeah. my charitable donation to the community. No, I would agree. And it, it but, turns but, out that it's all just really redistribution of wealth. One world order, build back better. If I may try to short circuit the point that you were trying to make when I interrupted you, though, uh, the, the real problem is not that. I mean, it's it's a little bit galling that somebody who doesn't have kids has to pay for this. But what's really infuriating is if somebody if for whatever reason doesn't use the public school system and has kids, they are both paying for the public school system the same as we are, right? but are also paying for their private school because, well, well, yeah, that's exactly this was supposed to be solved. Yeah. This was supposed to be solved by uh, charter schools. If, if you've seen that idea be floated around and every time, at least in this state, every time that charter schools have uh, popped up in the political sphere, it gets stomped down by the most powerful union in the entire state, which is the teachers union. Well, you can also thank Chicago for ruining the charter school situation on a national level. The amount of corruption Thanks, that happened from uh, everybody opening up a charter school, running it into the ground and then just going across town and opening up another one to run that into the ground. They, they built the people for just, oodles of money and now there's no that's what shot the trust in the charter school system and the continuing argument don't don't do your own research and look at how things have improved over the years and new laws and man or uh whatever the whatever they're called put into place so that way people don't just straight up bilk you for for your cash and then run across town and do it again yeah 
The, no. the solution to that probably should be, okay, well, you know, I noticed that the person who just, th- that this school has existed for two months and before this school existed, the person who ran it ran another school into the ground. At some point you go, okay, we don't trust that person anymore. It, it the, the solution to that is more information. The solution is not, uh, oh, you know, it, it, private charter schools cannot be trusted. Therefore, you need to put all of your trust into an unaccountable public school that has zero incentive to do anything efficiently. Well, that, that's not the solution. Netflix again, it cuts into Netflix and chill time. I don't have time to research all that. I'm too busy making sure my kids are. You don't I, have I, time I even... <laughs> to raise your kids. Right. That's the problem with parents overall. I mean, not all kids, of them, like, but oh, the it's too much effort to raise. It's too much effort to care whether or not my kid is going to survive in life. Well, yeah, that's mean, not that's not anything. But but oh, yeah, the, your biological imperative that is on an evolutionary level. That is the whole reason that you exist is to make sure that your kid does well. And it's too much effort. Fuck you, terrible parent. I just want to point out that uh, everybody wants to blame, you know, so many so many things. I mean, Bill Gates wants to sterilize everybody for population control. Cold acid. <laughs> yes. And I do want to point out that I just saw a stat this morning that in 2020, there were, I think it was 42 million abortions in the world. So, I mean, I know we're all bitching about the 400,000 people that died in the United States, allegedly of COVID, 42 million abortions worldwide in 2020. Nothing to see here. Yeah, but how many of those would have been miscarried because of drug overdose? Well, that's also a possibility, but it's just weird because I think it was Argentina that just passed the law now allowing abortion and people were like partying in the streets. I'm like, I don't, you know, I understand the fight for the woman's right to choose, but celebrating the births of uh, unborn fetuses. I don't know. It's uh, it seems like there's something a little evil in the celebration of that. I fully support a woman's right to choose not to let that creep stick his dick in you. Uh, that requires uh, forethought and a lack of going to bars and drinking and poor decision making. Well, bars are closed upbringings. now. Are, bar, are bars coming back? Are schools are, are, coming back? Are you back? suggesting that I'm require? I'm I'm expecting too much. My expectations Maybe. of people in society are too high. Probably yes, it, especially out here. What uh, rubbers don't work out here? Apparently, it's it's only uh, post contraception that works out here see women are when that are fighting for this are doing the same thing everybody in the mask issue is which is somebody else is responsible for what happens to me i'm not responsible responsibility takes uh a bit of uh self-reflection and we can't do that we're too busy reflecting on other people's lives uh within our uh, little black mirror that we carry around now, what is I know the guess? I'm not very good at this, but I'm detecting a little bit of sarcasm from you, Billy Bones. <laughs> I can't believe he's a millennial, right? I, I mean, have you no can't idea be, what you're talking about. I can't believe that. But how do you think schools are going to bounce back the whole concept of how our children are educated here in the United States? I, I think Canada is pretty similar. I don't know the systems worldwide. Would, would it be an unpopular opinion to say, I hope they die? All the children? Yes. <laughs> the schools. You? Oh, the schools. Okay. Um, that's maybe is better, you know, to go back to parents, teach your children. And we have, you know, and I understand 
the concept that kids need to interact with other kids, but you don't need school to do that. And you don't need to necessarily get a particular degree to get a job. Cold acid in the troll room was just pointing out that he got kicked out of high school and it looks like you make close to a six figures a year now. So it's like you can do really well if you learn what you need to learn and you can do this on your own. Now, that's the one thing those, the Internet really six does. figures are Canadian. Oh, oh, so he's making like three bucks an hour. I'm sorry. Cold acid. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to send him. Let me go over to Rare Encounter. I need to send him some uh, need to send some him freedom some units, some Federal Reserve freedom units. Yes, which is which really isn't true. Yeah, which he, are worth almost as much as Canadian dollars these days. <laughs> I don't know. He, he just he just upped his. We'll get to the the expert segment in a second, but he just upped his his monthly nut to the uh, grumpy old Ben's uh, fivefold. So cold acid's doing okay. I mean, he might be. I don't know. He may not be getting paid in Canadian units. He may be getting paid in Bitcoin. I don't know, one way or the other. But I think that the concept of schooling may change as we move forward. And I think the whole system, like a lot of things when it comes to political corruption, needs to be looked at from the ground up, how we're dealing with these systems and decide if what's going on is really good for the children. Are they actually getting the education? I mean, long before COVID, people were questioning exactly how good the education system is in the United States. We have a lot of problems with illiteracy, a lot of problems with you know, kids getting to a level in high school or college where they just don't understand math and science as opposed to kids in other parts of the world. And if the system is totally failing, then something needs to be done because otherwise it's just a farce and it's nothing more than a babysitting service for parents to get their kids out of the house for, you know, eight hours a day, whatever it is now, whatever the normal school day is. And that's not really doing them any real service as far as make you know preparing them for life because they're not being prepared they're being taught everybody gets a trophy now that's not the case they're being taught you know we talked about way back when you know when my nephew who's getting married this year at some point and so he's 25 but when he graduated junior high so that had been like over 10 years ago that was already in the world of you know you would have been the valedictorian of the class but we don't want to make the other kids who weren't feel bad. So we're not going to acknowledge that at graduation. And it's like, I knew at that point, the slippery slope has been greased and we're all going down it because when you're like, you know, we can't put somebody up for their accomplishments because not everybody has those accomplishments. It's insanity. It really is. Well, it it, it comes back to the fourth estate and uh, something that we've seen fantastically actually through the, uh, per the uh, creation of the online classroom, the Zoom classroom, where you would have people back in the day who would be like, well, this, this teacher's not doing much, but you wouldn't hear anything about it because it would just be uh, the, the trial would be held in school and be like, well, don't do that again. You know, slap them on the hand and send them back out to the classroom. And now with the online classrooms, we're seeing just how uh woke some of these teachers are and how extreme some are willing to go uh, there was a nerf gun in the background you know sending right. cops to them right that kind of situation where yeah when, when the teachers now, aren't too busy going and writing and with antifa but i'm sorry go on. yeah but now now we have the ability to report these things it has broken through on local media but it it definitely starts off as uh, parents doing their own 
uh, research and and watching and reporting and lets it grow naturally to a point where local media then has to report on it. But then you go you again you come around to the people that are willing to support the news model and the business model and those who uh, support the political people who then have the the strong arm ability to the editors within these news companies to smother or uh, expound upon a story. You know, oh, we I lost it. We are living so, in a time. What, what the some of those news models are pretty hot, by the way, that you just mentioned. I mean, two things. One, we did have stories of a kid with a Nerf gun where the police were called because the teacher, it was an unsafe work environment, you know, for the teacher and the other students. And we also had school. Uh, we also had the teachers unions backing the teachers who were out rioting and looting. And that's because that wasn't an unsafe environment at all. So uh, yeah. we, we had the one a couple months ago on, on GOB where uh, they were doing the remote learning thing. And the student's little brother happened to walk through the background of the shot with a BB gun. Right. And they suspended him for a week because and the administrator said, well, remote learning sites are an extension of the school site and we have a zero tolerance policy. And uh, yeah, it, it, I have, I have a lot of respect for, for most teachers, at least the ones who aren't total douchebags. Um, I, I don't have respect for teachers unions. And I also have very little respect for the administration of most of these schools, which has, has become the majority of the cost of the school and is not, providing much and and then even in in a capacity to you know for discipline which is one of the places where administrators at least you know most students see administrators um have adopted zero tolerance which means zero thought policies and and what exactly are they doing why do you need this many people in administration now i don't know but uh it's government work jobs i mean you want jobs we got government work my my aunt was was a teacher back in the 70s and then uh, a school administrator for 25 years starting in the 80s and she retired but she was one of those people who really genuinely wanted you know she she was running herself ragged and would tell stories about how uh how stressful it was trying to juggle all of these requirements between teachers and i have respect for that sort of thing but in the school where she was there was 200 people in the school and she was one of four administrators amongst, you know, 30 teachers and so on. Nowadays, it's more like four teachers and 30 administrators. Right. Well, and all of this stuff with the remote learning, I think is a power grab. If I can do a, a totally shameless plug for the most recent episode of random thoughts, where I talked about the case, which is going to the all Supreme your plugs Court. Are shameless. I know they are the girl that, I guess didn't make the varsity cheerleading team. So she went on to Snapchat and made a snap of herself flipping the bird with the text, uh, you know, fuck cheerleading, fuck the school, fuck everything. I'm paraphrasing, but that gets you the idea. And because of that, I guess somebody showed that post to the school, somebody at the school. She was then suspended from the cheer team overall for a year. And this is now going to the Supreme Court because the school is pushing this, making the case that. Well, when is it okay for students to say stuff? I mean, they should. The school district, in this case, doesn't think students should be able to say anything. Is yeah. this a public or a private school? It is a public school, and but they're they're using this pandemic as the case of well, now the lines are being blurred 
on what is in school, because now if you're on Zoom, well, you're in school when you're at home. So they're making the case that even though this girl posted this on Snapchat over the weekend while she was at her own personal residence, didn't use any devices that the school gave to make the post. This was all something that was done outside of the purview of the school. But they're making the case that they should still be able to discipline her for that. But the school has policies in place and as everybody knows in a place that's administrator heavy policies are paramount. They are the only thing that's important as long as they go the way you want them to. And um, policies created by administrators obviously trump silly little things like the First Amendment. I understand exactly where they're coming from. Yes. I mean, this seems like it's an open and shut first amendment case but it is interesting because these kids use the technology they use all of these ways of communications in the social media that there is some overlap i can understand that meaning you know if the kids home from school sick well technically you're not in school at all and if you send out a social media post to everybody that's in school currently although i don't know why they should have their phones while they're in school but if you do that and you're like you know fuck teacher Joe. Well, then that's going to be propagated throughout the school. And, uh, you know, I don't know there, I guess there has to be some kind of a line meaning, you know, if there's a student who then calls out a teacher by name and has a profanity laced tirade on social media, you know, should there be able to be any repercussions or no, is it the minute that they walk out the school door? Now the school can't do anything that they see on social well, media. One, I think that's it's kind the interpretation of I prefer. Yes. Oh, I but, do too. But I think it's creepy the that the schools want to monitor kids when they're off of school grounds. But you know what's happening. I mean, I mean, there's nothing about COVID or remote learning that has changed that. Schools have been monitoring everything that students have been doing off campus uh, it, illegally in a lot of cases now, for years. Let me ask you this. So your teacher, say you find your teacher or your teachers on one of these social media platforms and then you at them, you know, you send a message with them tagged in it, which says screw you to the teacher on social media now is that off of school should they be able to be reprimanded for that well do they have anything else to hide i think is the big question i mean if they don't have anything else to hide then the students i mean if they have nothing to hide then you know they should be on campus 24 7 (laughs) if they're students right there's nothing to hide (laughs) right i mean but but it's okay you know this is where i'm not I'm not well, well calibrated to millennials, but I think that was more sarcasm. I think it was. But I mean, this is one place where I will say, well, they should have some leeway, meaning there shouldn't be that much of a difference between going up to the teacher while on school grounds, you know, during class, before class, after class. Now, if you walk up to a teacher, I know if that was the case when I went to, you know, high school, that was a Catholic high school, although I went, you know, public junior high. Either way, if you went up to a teacher and were like, hey, teacher, go fuck yourself. There were going to be repercussions, and I don't know if that's really much different. Off of school grounds? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I, I feel like you're you're outside of the school jurisdiction, and if it would, I mean, if well, that's I the know question that this, of how this does is social be, media connect with this? So I mean, this if you is going to be an unpopular opinion, yeah. but if I if I am in, you know, um, my boss. If I see my boss and it happens to be the weekend and I walk up to him and punch him in the face. Well, there could be repercussions on Monday. Well, there will there are you salary. uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So many salary. You're on the job all the time. If you're not salary, 
fuck. You're <laughs> off the clock. You're off the clock. You want to be out of the fight at the okay, bar, well, off the clock. That's one thing. I think my example is awful, but the argument that I wanted to make is that if two people are private citizens and you go out and say, you know, fuck you, lady, uh, what are the rep- what are the repercussions if you go into the supermarket and say that to a random Karen? Nothing. Um, well, you, you probably well, that's the repercussion, I think, that should be there. Uh, I mean, other than than the interpersonal relationship you've damaged, which may or may not matter. Um I, I, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, depending on, on the circumstances, uh, local law enforcement might need to get involved, but I don't see how the school administration has any jurisdiction whatsoever. Well, bring back that the salary argument. If you're using social media, zoom or whatnot to communicate to school, all of a sudden that is now considered the school resources, apparently, according to the lawsuit that. Uh, Darren brought up just a minute ago, which is what they're so, using. I mean, that wasn't what yeah, this I can't was, help but notice the school isn't paying for my Internet. Yeah, which is uh, I mean, this is the case being the fact that this was a Snapchat post. So it had nothing to do with school. But this is where, you know, again, the in, the interesting uh, details come in because I could see you now if, if you find a teacher on whatever they're on, you know, Facebook, t- uh, Twitter, Instagram, you know, maybe the the uh, no agenda social if uh, if they're smart. But you find them on that and you just start throwing obscenities at them as a student of theirs. You know, there are going to be repercussions once you get back to school. Now, I I don't know if you could really make the case saying, well, you know, the little Johnny was off school grounds when he messaged the teacher telling him to go eat a dick. I don't know if you can use that as an excuse for not getting in trouble when you go back to school because you're, you know, you still have that relationship with the teacher. You know, and it, it's it's that's it's, but that's also a, a personal interaction between two individuals, whereas your situation is a cheerleader having a problem with the uh, overall mandates of the of the cheerleading squad or the the requirements to become a cheerleader. Uh, from what you said, it doesn't sound like it's directed specifically correct. at one person. She might be having a tantrum at towards the school correct uh but that doesn't mean is she waving a gun saying she's going to blow up the school no in that case i think should be quite clear but it got me to thinking about okay what would happen if a student actually did send a message you know on social media that attacked a teacher and put them you know tagged them in the post it does kind of go well that seems different to me and that you know again if you do this to your boss well just because you're off of work if you message your boss in the middle of the night and just say, you know, go eat a bag of dicks. There's a really good chance you're going to get fired or work a bunch of bad shifts or something like that because of it. So I don't necessarily think you could say just because it was off school grounds, there are no repercussions. Well, those sound like those sound like reasonable consequences, honestly. Yeah. I, 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 every, you know, people should be allowed to say anything they want. I firmly believe in freedom of speech and first amendment, but at the same time, people should be responsible for this. But uh you know flipping somebody off and getting uh the a a, a an flipping off your teacher should get you some kind of repercussions from your teacher and and yes. that might be I, I don't know i don't know what that means but what i don't think is i don't think that school administrators need to step in and become the enforcement arm the the thing that well, keeps the parents going aren't my doing mind, anything 
Well, well then yeah, the, may, and maybe that's where you need school administrators is to go and talk to the parents. I don't know. I, I, I put a lot the of the parents, you know, half of the problems with schools today, I put on, on a big government fascists who seem to be running unions these days. And the other half I put on the complete abdication of responsibility that seems to be coming from parents in society today. And I don't have a, a valid solution to that other than maybe we leave some fucking children behind. And no, this is, I think, the problem with this, not a problem with the school system, but the problem is parents believe their job as parents are is quite limited now because somebody else will take care of that rather than, you know, I know we say this a lot, but back in our day, I think our parents were much more responsible for what we learned growing up. And sending us to school was certainly a part of that, but it was a minority part of our overall development, not what kind of exists today, which is the parents just want to be friends with the kids and they'll learn everything else at school. I, I, I tell you what, if if you follow your biological imperative and give a shit about whether your kid is going to succeed or not, you are going to be taking that responsibility The the. I will I will go out and I will say this. I'll stand by this statement. The people who think that, oh, gee, all I really had to do was give birth. And now I can just send my kid off into some kind of a corporate machine to be turned into a human. Those are bad fucking parents. Those are people who should not be parents. You, and you should have pulled out. You should have stuck a condom on it. I don't know. But that is you're not a good person. You're not doing yourself or society or your kid any favors by being disinterested in whether or not they succeed in life sorry you hot telling take. people to do work yeah i was just looking of- <laughs> at the i was just looking at the timestamp because that is that seems like a, a cold opener there at, at 133 uh, too so i mean they're so i i guess i guess I mean, the thought experiment that keeps going through my mind whenever whenever we're thinking about you know what it, the the thought experiment is how would this be different if in and call this you know unicorn and rainbow land this is you know my personal utopia but what if schools were not run by like uh, low security gulags and instead were the kind of place where people willingly went because they wanted to become better at life look at the Waldorf how would schools. these scenarios be different i'm sorry the waldorf schools are uh, private schools that uh, don't require vaccinations and all sorts of silly stuff like that, that uh, take place outdoors. They actually explore outdoors uh, and a lot more intricate things, smaller classrooms. That's not just a, uh, uh, a mill for blue collar workers as the current system is currently designed. Uh, it, you know, there, there's, there's schools out there that actually offer incentive for the kids to actually learn for themselves. But on the topic of public schools, uh, no, they're they're just factories to turn out workers. Well, I did. The Prussian model has been destroying generations of people for 100 years. It, I, 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 I have to sit here and, you know, you watch the technological revolution. But have you ever thought about how where we would be as society if. Everybody who learned something did it because they wanted to. And, and the only people who went out and got involved in things were the ones who were truly passionate about it. Instead now, if of only just you turning had out to, diplomas. 
If only you just rented everything, you would have all the time in the world to chase your passion <laughs> and be a productive member of society. Yes, thank you, Roddenberry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything that uh, you know, I've been doing, it's all just self-taught. And uh, whether it was, uh, you know, the internet really didn't exist in the shape that it does now when I was in college. But then I ended up, you know, being mainly a web designer for years, going into marketing, all self-taught. Now, you know, doing the broadcasting, all self-taught, you know, the editing, the recording, all self-taught. If you enjoy something, you can figure out how to do it without having to go to a building and have somebody else teach you. Now, I'm not saying that's bad for all things. I mean, I took guitar lessons when I was in high school, and that's something that, uh, you know, at least getting started, having an instructor really was helpful because you can get critiqued and they can tell you what you're doing wrong and they can make the whole situation go by a little bit with less pain, but you now you can get these online classes to learn guitar and it's, you know, another way to go and you don't have to have a teacher, but I, I would bet that people, there are certain things having a instructor certainly does help, but these are also people then who usually love what they're doing that are teaching you, not the problem we have with a lot of teachers. And I'm not saying all, I know there are some great teachers out there, but I think even the great teachers have to admit there's a decent amount of teachers there just looking to make a paycheck who really don't care about anything else or their political views are more important than anything. And let's be honest, sure. until you get to high school, most of the stuff you learn, you could be taught by your parents should know it. Although now I'm going to go back on that because I don't know if that's true anymore. In the troll room, Sir Spencer made the point that that I that I wanted to make, but I guess I suck at it. Yes. And he said, I'm a uh, hippie, is, but I've never smoked pot. So I'm just, I'm a hippie in spirit. Okay. Then, then you're, then you're a, a low performing hippie. Yes, exactly. Uh, or a high performing. No, hippie. The, the point that the point that Sir Spencer made, and this is the one that I wanted to make, but I guess I wasn't very good at it, uh, is that rapper when, when a kid goes and, you know, flips off a teacher or whatever, um, the, the repercussions don't need to come from the school. The, the correct place where the repercussion should come from is from the parents. And this again is why I am, I'm so hard on parents who suck at this because yes. if, if your kid blows a test or fucks off in school and you go out and the first thing that you do is yell at the teacher, then you are a shitty parent. Um, yes. what you need to do is come to an understanding with your child and figure out what's going on. And, and if it turns out that the teacher was a douchebag and just flunked him because they didn't like your haircut or something, then, then yeah, that that's grounds for a problem. But the, the impetus for what happens at the school needs to come from the parents. And again, I know Billy, um, I'm, I'm, proposing the impossible because i'm suggesting that parents do work and i know that most people can't be bothered to be involved with or even pay attention to or understand what kind of bullshit is going into your own child's head well it, and I, I get that these people don't want to bother with their biological imperative to make their kids succeed in life well this is but, beyond this because as you said that should be you know the parents should be the ones bringing down the hammer but I know there's a lot of parents that if you were a teacher, Brian, and wow, that thought just sent chills up my spine. If you were a <laughs> high school teacher and a student told you to go fuck yourself and you called their mom or dad and be like, hey, you know, little Janie just told me to go fuck myself. 
there's a lot of parents would just be like, well, you should go fuck yourself and hang up on you because that's the way parents are now. That's- yeah, but do, do you do you think that I, I am I am intelligent and I am creative. Do you think that I would not be able to come up with some kind of consequence within the strictures of, of the rules provided me that would make them regret that decision? Yeah. I mean, Bill O'Reilly was a high school teacher, so you could do it, too. I mean, I, I would think that would be. I, I don't think I could. And it has nothing to do with the teaching part. I don't think I could put up with all of the other administrative bullshit. Yeah, that I can see. There's too many restrictions on. Uh, Actually being also, able to teach the students. Also, Washington is not a right to work state. And uh, the result of this is that if I were to go to uh, certain businesses, certain places, uh, absolutely anywhere in in the public education system. But this is also one of the reasons, for example, um, I never worked at Boeing, despite having an opportunity to, to go there, uh, is that there are certain places like this public schools where if you take a job there you are required to join the union and pay union dues and i am highly highly against the idea of labor unions almost every public sector in king county where seattle is is if you are in government you are a part of a union yes and and i i'll spare you the rehash but if you go back into grumpy old ben's history you will hear a a nice long rant of me explaining why I think that unions should not be legal in government work. Wait, you've ranted about stuff before. Let me go look for it's that happened. episode. You usually cut that out of the podcast, but right. sometimes it, it escapes through. But, but somehow your brother finds them and he puts them together in a long audio file that he can, uh, that he can send over. I'm, I'm surprised those aren't all of his, uh, his ringtones, but I digress. We do have some experts to thank for today's very special January 1st episode of grumpy old bands. Hey, we weren't even sure we'd be here today. This is the ultimate clerk's moment. I'm not even supposed to be here. It's New Year's Day and we're live on the No Agenda stream and we appreciate everybody that's been popping in and out of the troll room. As you said, Sir Spencer of the Bowl After Bowl podcast, Midas of the Fun Fact Friday podcast, he of 400 pounds of Legos, Cold Acid of the Very Rare Encounter podcast. It's just Rare Encounter. I don't want to. I mean, if you're if you're Googling that, I want you to get it right. It's so rare that I bet you haven't even encountered it. Right. <laughs> For if you're listening to this show, you probably have not encountered it. And you should you should check it out. Abel Kirby was on with us last night. He's the guy that does the show with cold acid. And he doesn't sound like Bill Gates. So that's a plus. At least half the show doesn't sound like Bill Gates. Uh, we have Digi Guru, our buddy from Chirac in the troll room, who's always in there for the No Agenda show as well. Carolyn Blaney. I mean, we were we 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 were a little worried about Carolyn yesterday because she kind of disappeared off the New Year's extravaganza. I wasn't worried at all. <laughs> She's a it's, professional. It's a, 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 yeah, and and she has enough sense to wander off when she realizes that she got better things to do than talk to the rest of us. Well, no, but at one point I could see there was some noise that because you can, we have the little meter in Clean Feed, and I'm like Carolyn, and you heard her like, yeah. And I'm like, are you on the floor? And she's like, yeah. So it was. Uh, okay. I might take back some of what I said about having sense, but that still sounds like a fun night. Yeah, it does sound like a fun night. We have Sir John Fletcher, also of the Hog Story. Fletcher's in the troll room right now. And he was kind enough well, because our, our, his buddy Nodebit that does the stream for them expanded the stream up to 500 listeners for last night. I don't think we quite broke it, but we tried. We had a whole lot of fun. And we appreciate everybody 
And Billy Bones is even in the troll room. Wow. We even see, we haven't heard from that guy God in a while. Damn. <laughs> and, uh, he, you oh, I, that guy, I, I don't trust what he says. Yeah. I'll walk He's way too mind. sarcastic. You yeah, got to yeah. watch out for those millennials. Yeah, that you do. That we do. So we appreciate everybody coming in to listen. Of course, we work on the value for value model that we've learned from John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. Although it's kind of getting changed with this podcasting 2.0. Sir Spencer was talking last night. We need to get him back on the show to talk about setting up the lightning node and doing all this stuff and Sphinx chat and all of this money while podcasting, while people listen, all this stuff going on. But we work on the value for value model, which means we do these shows. We put them out there. If you got any value out of the show whatsoever, it's up to you to figure out how much. I mean, it could be a simple... uh you know, bottle of water, which I mean, a bottle of water, if you go to like White Sox Park in the summer, that's like six bucks for a bottle of water. I mean, granted, you can buy the same. Water. Well, how'd your water get so cheap? <laughs> what, do you, what do they charge you out there for a bottle of like, <laughs> at, 10? Are we up at, to, at, like, at Seahawks Stadium or whatever the whatever fucking corporations put their name on it this time? Yeah. How much is it up to <laughs> more than six? I, I want to say it was nine the last time I was Whoa! there. Dude, so nine bucks. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you it was. It, in fact, I think it was. It was nine for a bottle of water and ten for a sixteen ounce cup of beer. I'm like, well, then who needs the water? Right. I mean, let's just give me the beer and everybody's happy. Maybe they don't That's want because to, it's because minimum wage out here is fifteen dollars an hour. Oh, everybody can yeah. afford nine dollar water now. Yeah, and they they don't, they don't understand that once the minimum wage went up to fifteen dollars, well, everything else went up. And hey. We also did that rent. But at some a minimum point. rent to to rent a cardboard box in in Gasworks Park is is you know thirty five hundred a month. So so okay, if it's worth a bottle that, of water to you, that's ten bucks. Which means if it's a latte, that's got to be worth like twenty bucks. And uh, if it's worth you know a burger at McDonald's, and you talked about the styrofoam containers, is anybody else jonesing for a McDLT? Do you remember those with the they used the yeah, huge? Yeah, no. The huge styrofoam <laughs> and half was cold and half was hot. It was a gimmick. Oh, I do remember that. But those were awesome. What? Really? Yes. I. The only thing I remember is that they, there were McDonald's back in the day, at least. And, and I have no reason to believe it's ever changed. Uh, it came in a styrofoam container. I definitely remember those. But I also remember that you could eat the burger or you could eat the container they tasted the same well that steve martin had a whole bit <laughs> that everything at mcdonald's was made out of the same material it's like and that was it it was like oh big mac uh chicken mcnuggets you know chef's hat the uh, everything at mcdonald's all was just shot out of the same machine but the mcdlts were it was an interesting concept and just a total waste of styrofoam by today's standards because they figured you know the lettuce and tomato and onion that was on top well, people wanted that cold when they were consuming their burger. And if you were you know, taking this home with you, so it had two compartments in the big styrofoam, one for the hot, one for the cold. And it was delightful. But of course, that had to go away. And uh, you are kind of making me want a burger. But what that means is that as soon as we, we finish up here, I'm going to go start up the grill and put burgers on it myself. Yeah, I made burgers yesterday. They were they were awesome. Just a lot of ground beef hand done. You know, but you got to do the hand uh, patties. You got to do them yourself. You mix them in my, a big my, bowl. My favorite part about the grill is you have to turn it up a couple notches higher than usual in weather like this, because when the rain hits the burgers, you need to make sure it all evaporates off. Right. It makes cooking a little bit more of an event. But you figure out what it's worth to you listening to Grumpy Old Ben's. We do have a bunch of people to thank today, starting with executive producer Andrew Panbianco. Panabianco. Uh, see, I'm going to butcher his last name. Is it Anna Bianco? I think I've heard the name. I know from John C. Dvorak, but I don't know. 
and Andrew P. If he's right, I, as far as I know, Devorah could be getting it wrong completely as well. But he 50 bucks included a note said Darren and SRB. So Sir Bemrose, please distribute this donation. Uh, I think that's senior Bemrose. Oh, it could be old man Bemrose. 50 bucks to grumpy old Ben's. Bemrose. The remainder to random thoughts. He says he enjoys both podcasts. I appreciate that. Just began listening to random thoughts. Thanks to your Ben's for your tech tips. Keep them coming thus far. I have added DuckDuckGo as my primary search tool. That's what I use. That's a good one. And obtained a VPN. I mean, did you? We need to see more VPNs better. I We have to go every show. I have to mention the VPNs at least once because I'm a shill for Absolutely. VPNs, I've been told. This, this is a VPN show after all. Yes. He says, also, I've extracted myself from Facebook and removed as much as possible all ties to Google on my cell phone. May 2021 be as uneventful as 20. 19 see there there are we are a force for good in the world here at grumpy old ben's we are at at least in a few cases there are people out there who are following the advice and ditching the poisonous social media and so uh thank you andrew p yes (laughs) and i guess my question is darren what's your fucking excuse for what the social Not media getting off social media. I, I like to promote the show because there's a lot of people on Twitter and I really do nothing on Facebook except read what a couple of friends are doing. I've really yeah, except send them personal data. I get it. No, I mean, I, I probably make uh, less than one post to Facebook a year. I bet they have your name and birth date. Well, they, you could do that <laughs> on any, any uh, open database right now. That's not that hard. But Darren likes mingling with the plebes. Yeah. I mean, we got to We got to promote the show. And uh, that's how you bring in the big, big hitters like the next guy on the list here. Another executive producer, Cold Acid. We were just talking about the guy. He is of the rare encounter show. And he was on a $10 a month. And he upped that to 50 bucks. And he said that's a monthly. So I don't know what kind of favors he's looking at here. But uh, Cold Acid, we appreciate it. And we do think people should check out the Rare Encounter podcast with cold acid and Abel Kirby, which I'm sure has a website. It's probably like rare encounter or, or at least listen to the cold acid parts. Yeah. I mean, the cold acid parts are really good, except Abel Kirby's the one that does the roundup of what else is going on on the no agenda stream. So that's kind of useful as well, too. And, this is true. Yeah. Um, but the, the most important part is the number of days since the last maps with Matt episode. Yeah. <laughs> See, now the fact that they had that, I, I do feel bad that I started a trend of, abusing you've never felt bad about abusing matt <laughs> or poor matthew healy who is now on vacation he said for the first time in years yesterday started a two-week vacation for him so the clock is definitely ticking if at the end of the next two weeks we don't have another episode of maps with matt i will shed a tear and i will be sad but thank you cold acid for being an executive producer of the grumpiest podcast in the universe. Next on the list, coming in with 3333, ooh, the magic number, and a note that just simply said thanks was Sir Howitzer and Dame Sexy, and we appreciate that, Dame Howitzer. Do I recognize those names? Sir Howitzer and Dame Sexy, I would bet. I mean, somebody named Dame Sexy, I feel like I should have pics. <laughs> but but that, please don't send her pics of you. Um, I mean, no, no. They're, you don't need my pussy pics, trust me. Yes, the cats can do well on their own. And then three 
checks in a row. So the P.O. box is working. We have our buddy Stevie, who I think is still over on Patreon. You know, the first guy that found us on Patreon comes in with a $30 check. No note, nothing. So he just likes what we're doing, obviously. And we appreciate you listening and supporting the grumpiest podcast in the universe, Stevie. Next with a check also, Radix 023 of No Agenda Troll Room fame with 20 bucks. And we appreciate that. And, you know, as the checks go, the third one, we also have Progo with his monthly $12 check. He was on last night as well. We appreciate the checks because, you know, as I start watching all of this accounting, and it was when we first started, wasn't a big deal. It was great. And it is that anybody is donating at all. But then you start seeing at the end of a year, like how much PayPal took out of all the donations. And then you look at the checks and you go, oh, well, nobody takes anything out of the checks. And I understand the checks are a bigger pain in the ass, which is why we're on Patreon, which is why we use PayPal. But the folks that are doing the checks have gone the route, almost all of them, except for Sergeant Fred, who loves writing the handwritten notes. So that makes sense. And we appreciate you, Sergeant Fred and the 2030 podcast. But are these a lot of them are using the bank's system, which means you don't even have to buy a stamp. You just add us. No, you, you click a couple of times. You click, you click, you know, new, new re- recurring payment. How often weekly? And then you, to whom grumpy old Ben's how much $50 and just click go. And you don't even have to think about it anymore. The bank just sends a check every week. Yeah, it just happens. And you can set it daily, weekly, monthly, whatever. And you never have to think about it again. And then we don't have to pay any fees. So that makes us even happier. And if you do that and you have notes, please send them to me or to Ryan, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N or Ryan, R-Y-A-N at Grumpy Old Ben's. And also coming in today, Jeremy Kavanaugh, 10 bucks. I think that's a new subscription as well. No notes, no nothing. And we don't have any jingles or karma. I mean, do we need jingles? Do we need karma? I mean, you can always ask. We can always come up with something on the fly. Actually, I heard a rumor that there was going to be a clip played on today's show. Yeah. I mean, Billy Bones was trying to ruin our whole like shtick of never playing any clips. Never at all. I mean, but these aren't this wasn't a jingle. He actually wanted to bring us content. And God, why would you do that, Billy Bones? But I, I think this one works out okay because it's neither of you guys actually doing this work, doing the work, you know, pulling clips. So it's not even you guys playing clips. I am all for work being done if it's not me doing the work. So, you know, okay, here's okay. I, I want to go the Sir Seat Sitter route, and I know he doesn't pull this off as well all the time, where we invite two guests to the show, just let them talk, and we just do the intro and outro. I think that's a new. I, I don't believe we would be capable of that. <laughs> that's a new strategy. You're right. We we bloviate too much. But what do you have for us, Billy Bones? Hit me with a clip. Uh, so to build up the clip, I want to start it off with how we talked about. Uh, Bill O'Reilly uh, being a podcaster now, being out of the mainstream media. We've talked about individuals, how they've uh, been able or unable to create talking points, bringing stories to the forefront. Right. Uh, mostly based off of editorial decisions. I've got a radio host that I listen to here in the mornings that has been massively red pilled this year through the lack of information that he's been able to see through the M5M. Uh, I listened to another radio host that uh, he's working his way to become a Fox News contributor. He's not there yet. So he toes the line a lot more. He says he'll report on things and then he doesn't. 
That sounds like personal editorial decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't a surprise for us as no agenda listeners. And uh, I'm always I'm always out there trying to learn new things and see how things come about. Uh, I heard an interview with uh, Cheryl Atkinson. She was on with uh, Megyn oh. Kelly, another another individual who left the mainstream to go to podcasting. Yes, she was and on with Bill we, O'Reilly too. Nice. And uh, so Cheryl Atkinson used to work for CIABS, <laughs> and. Uh, she has taken the red pill as well, seeing the amount of uh, editorial decisions in reporting and what not to report uh, coming forward. And so I bought her audiobook uh, slanted and just has she has a whole list of stories that have uh, through her career been either sliced and diced, you know, edit here, edit there. Uh, on how to construct the narrative and force it into a predetermined bias. Right. She worked in the belly of the beast. Yeah. In D.C. as well. She was a D.C. correspondent. It looks like she started at CNN. Yeah. Yeah. For, I think it was two or three years at CNN and then 20 years at CIABS. And just the number of stories and the more and more she paid attention, the more and more she saw how they weren't coming forward. And so in the book, she talks about a situation uh, that I'm sure no agenda covered, but I wasn't a listener at that point in time. But I figured for a minute and 40 seconds, this would be a worthwhile uh, comparison to back then of what's not getting covered. And then maybe something that very much compares to today on what's getting covered or lack thereof. The swine flu epidemic. In October 2009, I put the finishing touches on what today remains one of my most important and eye-opening investigations. Using hard data, I discovered that there was a relatively negligible number of H1N1 swine flu cases in circulation, despite alarming claims by the Centers for Disease Control that we were being overrun by illnesses and deaths. Initially, the top brass in the news division marveled at the findings in my report. I had spent weeks obtaining lab test results from all 50 states in Washington, D.C., because the CDC had refused to provide the information when I asked for it. One upper-level CBS News executive excitedly told me that it was the only original story on swine flu that he had seen anybody produce. But for reasons unspecified, an influential senior producer intervened to keep the story from airing. She said that maybe we could report the information when the whole thing is over as part of a look back. I was baffled. So instead of the story airing on CBS Evening News, I published it online. Later, when hundreds of people filed for compensation for injuries and deaths linked to the swine flu vaccine, I couldn't help but wonder if some lives might have been saved if we'd reported the true prevalence of swine flu on our newscast. Some people might have declined the experimental, hastily developed vaccine if they had known that the risk of contracting swine flu was so low. Kind of rings a bell with uh, certain individual or certain actions being taken today, huh? There's corporate propaganda going on here. Yeah. Surprise. I, I 
I wanted to pull out another, uh, I, this is a fine line in yet, yet another fine example of, of social media bias. Uh, while you were talking, I looked up Cheryl Atkinson on Wikipedia and, and this line popped out. Um, there's a section, the section is called anti-vaccine reporting. And, uh, the very first line in that section, Atkinson has published stories attempting to link, uh, attempting to link vaccines with autism, comma, a position rejected by the scientific community. Yeah. This is all we get on social media or sites Thank or even archive.org. Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> this is the whole new thing. We're get, we're going to get warnings that, oh, this information does not go along with what the man wants you to know. And uh, yeah, it, it's scary because, I mean, that's, again, I know nothing about a lot of these journalists. The fact that Bill O'Reilly you know, vouched for her and her work. I mean, that says a lot to me personally. I mean, your mileage may vary, but this maybe answers a lot of the questions of why there's no journalism going on anymore. How many journalists that were actually trying to do their job over the past, you know, 10 years, whatever it is, were actually doing the story, you know, where they were actually diving deep into these things under uncovering this kind of stuff, taking it to their bosses and getting, yeah, no, we're, we're not going to cover and this that. Is, this is what I was saying at the beginning of the show with that. There are people out there who still, you know, for maybe they're deluded people, but who still think that the point of journalism is to uncover the truth and get it out there. There are still people trying to do that. And it, today's main, the, the reason that the mainstream media is not to be trusted and should be dumped and ignored is because the corporate structure of propaganda over news is such that those people ultimately always end up getting dumped. And even when they're, you know, even if the, the person doesn't face repercussions, their stories will never see the light of day in any means that doesn't have crazy spin on it. Yes. You almost need to go the podcaster route and Bill O'Reilly is now, and there are more of these journalists that are going that route. And I think that's a good thing. But as we said, they're also mixed in with people like us who have no credibility whatsoever, even though we're doing good work. I don't know. Well, maybe you don't. Well, I don't know how anybody fact checks. It's like, well, who is this guy? Why should I? Why? Should, OK, so if somebody comes into this from the outside, never heard this show before, how would you answer the question? Why should I believe this Ryan Bemrose? Anything he says? Because I'm right. But but, <laughs> but why? Back it up. And I'm I'm humble. <laughs> okay so now i know at least one of those is a lie which one i'm not sure at least one well, it, it, it sh you should be able to create your own sniff test and be willing to step outside of your own uh personal belief bubble to accept that someone else believes something wholeheartedly that you may not believe and it's not to say that you need to come uh 180 degrees from your position to to agree and stand with them but you should understand where they come from what they believe how they believe and at a certain level uh your beliefs and their beliefs will cross over the means to the end may not be specifically the same but there is a chance that uh there is overlap and if your willingness to accept or not someone else's point of view gives you that uh that point to whether or not you're willing to believe them now how you much believe that but how much of this hatred now this animosity that's been thrown in and i'm 
biased. I understand that, but I believe it's mainly the left going towards the right. But how much of this is put in there just in order to stop all of what you're saying should happen from happening? Because I have no problem having a conversation with a Bernie Sanders supporter who wants to say there should be, you know, a salary, you know, universal basic income for all. I mean, I don't mind having that debate saying, well, how are you going to pay for this? What's this going to do this? How is this going to crash? You know, this system and this system and the end result is going to be everybody is worse off than under capitalism. Debate. Right. I would like to have you're such a right wing racist. Right. I would like to actually have that conversation (laughs) rather than the minute I say, well, no, I disagree with you. I believe in capitalism. And then getting the oh, yeah, asshole. Yeah, racist. Oh, And then there's a reason. why this this animosity has been thrown into the system. And I think it is to keep people from having the conversations. The same is true between the rich and the poor. The same is true between the black and the white. It's a I mean, really, it's kind of sad that we go back to audio from the 1980s of Luther Campbell of the two live crew that I played a couple times on the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show talking about the fact that the people in charge, man, the man doesn't like what they see in their audience because in their audience back in the 80s, it was white people. It was Mexican people. It was black people. It was all sorts of people. And they were all getting together for one thing they all enjoyed. And everybody was getting along. And that doesn't work well when you're a government or a world, in this case, bigger than one government. If you really believe in the conspiracy theory of so far, yes, of the one world order, then you want to ask yourself, why is all of this stuff going on? How many times? Do you I mean, I remember Glenn back like 15 years ago, like always look at the other hand, whatever is on the news. Ignore that and look for what's going on in the other hand, because that's what they're don't want you to see. It's a no agenda theme is is whenever a news story pops and seems to be getting a hell of a lot of coverage. What you need to do is look for what are they trying to distract you from? Right. There's Uh, another story. I have a more serious answer to the question that that you asked where I, I. you know, I, I gave an honest but flippant answer. And why people should believe you? Yeah. It's because we don't take advertising. Uh it is because we are not we are not owned by anyone, uh, no corporation, no advertisers, um no executive directors. What, oh well that's me, or, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but what that means is that you I I I, I will not make you laugh by suggesting that we don't have any bias because everybody has bias. And if you claim something is unbiased, you're just not seeing it. Right. Uh, we are absolutely biased, probably a lot more than, than many other shows that you're going to find in this medium. Uh, but what you can be assured of is that the information we're giving you is, is not being spun by any, anybody's narrative other than our own. And that the opinions that you are receiving on this show are yours and my opinions. And uh, I don't know how much that counts for. If you're looking for uh, a source of news without bias, then, you know, well, I mean, good fucking luck. Right, right. But one of the good, useful substitutes to that is to find sincere information to it, it, Especially today where all of the media is is bought and sold by corporate advertisers, um, sincerity is almost entirely lacking. And that's one of the reasons, for example, why I go to small, unfiltered social networks like No Agenda Social and why I go to podcasts for information. 
And that is that, uh, you know, I can, I can personally filter bias out myself. If I, if I, if I see enough things from various positions, I can generally figure out, okay, read between the lines. These people did agree on this. They disagreed on that and, and figure out what's going on. But you can't even get to that point if you're not getting sincerity. And I think that is a reason why shows like no agenda shows like grumpy old Ben's shows like a walk through the mind are important is you're, you're, you're not getting unbiased news. What you are getting though is sincere reflections on that news. And you people who are really telling you what they think and taking responsibility for it rather than just reading what's on a teleprompter. Right. And we try to at least consume a wide variety of news sources. I mean, I still go to CNN. I mean, I, I do believe I'm so biased that I believe that everything I see there is going to be a total load of crap, but I go to see what they're saying. I mean, when, when preparing for stories, I, I will read a variety of sources from, from the, the middle of the road, right all the way to the far right extremists. You know, and it's interesting I, when you do this uh, about any going kind, to take that seriously <laughs> about any kind of random stories, though, when the, I, another story of was the girl that 18 years old here in the town one over from us went to the high school in our town here. Uh, well, another town over, but pretty much, you know, the two towns are almost one. There's two little areas here and it's the closest high school to our house. And it was like she died of covid and uh, the first bunch of stories that Allegedly. I read said you know that she just started feeling symptoms a couple of days earlier before christmas then she went in then she was airlifted and the first like three or four stories i read i mean i mean granted i'm not an english major but i think my reading comprehension is fairly good and from all the articles i read it seemed like she got it first noticed symptoms and was dead within like five days and i'm like well that seems a little weird for somebody that's 18 years old because the people that i know there, there weren't any comorbidities like, right. uh, you know, predisposition toward pneumonia or possibly, you know, being in Chicago and well, having way too much lead in her system. There is Chicago, but this was, you know, again, the suburbs. This was way out in the, you know, in the boonies here. And the the intriguing thing was it was like five or six articles in that was probably the story that spawned all of them. But people don't really when they're doing news for when they're taking news from another site. And just reposting, you know, miss the fact that there was like a whole week plus beforehand where she was having headaches and issues like that. So, you know, it, it didn't really make it much more sense because you're still dealing in about a two week from symptoms to death for an 18 year old, which seems weird. But it seems a little bit more plausible than the three or four days that all the other stories made it sound like. And it's like, did, did, did anybody that is doing this? journalism allegedly if you can call it that do they even know what they're supposed to be doing and digging in and trying to go back i mean if i can find the information then the journalists should be able to find the information or at least know what's going on before it's reported because it, that I mean the whole story still doesn't make sense and i would like more information on why that the you know 70 plus year olds that i've known that have you know again then said they had COVID and passed away. It took like a month plus. So how a healthy 18 year old girl dies within two weeks. I think there's more to the story, but there's never any question of that in any of these articles. It's just reported that 
oh, dangerous COVID. She died of it, 18, healthy. And yeah. I don't buy it. Well, I, But I trust I mean, the she, face on the TV. Right. I trust the face on the TV that they're not going to lie to me, that they're going to give me every last little bit of information. Okay, you know that, 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 that sincerity test? <laughs> that sincerity test that I just told you about? You just failed. Billy failed. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, and I get it. She might have been the one in a million that the virus it could have been a flu that could have done the same thing to her. So it's not, you know, this has nothing to do with anything but reporting the story and admitting that this is an outlier and maybe more information should be gotten. Uh, um, but we saw a week ago with the bomber in Nashville, how soon, you know, things are hitting social media without any information whatsoever. And like the whole first, how many days was it? It was at least one day, if not more with this guy wasn't on the FBI's radar. And then the stories come out. Oh, his ex-girlfriend called the FBI about him building bombs in his RV last year. It's like, well, that seems like it should be on your radar. Have you never met rednecks, though? <laughs> those those people will do some fucking shit. What's your what's so your email I, address, I, Billy, if people want to complain? I find them to be terribly entertaining. Yeah. Buford T <laughs> from Tennessee. I, I come uh, from. Sir Seat Sitter. Yeah. I, I come from a family. My my lineage is is comes primarily from redneck and white trash stock in eastern Washington. And uh, yes, yes, I have. And they they are some of the most awesome people to hang out with. You just have to make sure you have a fire extinguisher nearby. Well, they're going to blow stuff up. What are the way to live? You know, I've been I've been watching uh, House MD lately, just going back and, you know, because everybody watches old shows these days. Uh, That is a good one. I had a story uh, last week, I think, about how uh, an analysis of scraped data on Spotify suggests that. um, the lockdowns have caused uh, an incredible like 400% rise in the listening to of nostalgia music, which is songs that have been were released more than five years ago, um, which it, the analysis was that it's a sign of depression. Who knew um, lockdowns would cause that? But anyways, I've been watching House MD and one of the things, the the conclusion that I'm coming up with, you know, because the, the show, at least for the first couple of seasons, is is terribly formulaic and it's an entertaining formula and you don't really watch it because you you want to learn about medicine. You watch it because you want to see a, a total asshole who's always right, just infuriate everyone around him. Oh, damn it. Relate. We, oh, do we owe them royalties? Um, no, no, I was around before the show was. Oh, okay, good. Uh, but the the medical uh takeaway that i get from the show is that w- when it comes to what's actually happening inside of a human body uh, for all of the uh a, you know 20% of the economy that goes to healthcare these days uh, uh, people don't really have a fucking clue what's going on inside the human body uh the 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 weird things like you know this person comes in and presents with a headache and then it turns out that uh, you know, there was actually a snake bite, except that the snake bite was uh, only caused because they were emitting pheromones or, you know, it, it just the obviously they're contrived, but nobody really knows. And then you throw in uh, a, a perverse incentives like the fact that um, a, a gunshot wound is considered a covid uh, comorbidity and therefore people die of covid when they get shot in Chicago. It, do you really i don't know i just don't take anything medical at face value anymore i guess that's where i was going with that well it's more complicated well, apparently you haven't been on webmd lately <laughs> why everybody's a, at home everybody's an at-home doctor we don't need we don't need a national health system we've got webmd you know and it's good 
to be educated on the stuff. It's not good to self-diagnose. Which is, you know, I, I'm not sure if that was sarcasm or not, but I honestly do believe <laughs> that there is a huge benefit to the, I, I mean, anywhere that you have a, a, some kind of a gatekeeping system that says this person, because of some credentials is, is qualified to know something about this area. And this person isn't, whether that be a, a doctor or a plumber or a hairstylist, anytime that you have to have a license in order to do something, I'm immediately suspect. Like what, what is forbidden about the knowledge? And, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I don't necessarily want to have surgery performed on me by somebody who hasn't spent a lot of time practicing to be a surgeon, but at the same time, uh, diagnosing indigestion is not something that I should have to go and see someone who had 10 years of schooling. I should pretty much be able to figure it out on my own from uh, once I've learned enough information. Yeah, so, but of course, I mean, let's, let's remember my mom thought she had acid reflux and ended up needing double bypass and colon cancer surgery. Okay. Uh, do you, do you think that it is the medical degree that caused the doctor to be able to correctly diagnose that? Or do you think it was the information that that doctor had accessible to them? I think I it was just going I don't to get think care. Is the, was the I don't think thing. it's the licensing that, that causes somebody to be good at something. It is the knowledge. And no, I would agree. If we can, if we can get, you know, there are a lot of things from, from a hangnail to the common cold to uh, a dog bite. There are a lot of things out there that are not double bypass surgery that we should not need to be going to the doctor for. And I am always in favor of, of pushing more information into the hands of people who can make their own informed decisions. And places like WebMD do help with that. They are getting medical information out into the world amongst people who don't have degrees. What does WebMD say about hydrochloroquine or uh, ivermectin? Oh, they're probably biased. Yeah, They're going to tell you. This, this information has not been approved by the CDC or the World Health Organization. And I will have well, to share. The FDA, the FDA hasn't approved the vaccine to be safe and effective against COVID-19 either. It's only administered under emergency use authorization, which is what hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and the inhaler steroid were canceled under. You're not allowed to use those under an EUA uh, until after the election. And now those are allowed to be used off-label, but still not advertised as cures. And I do want to say I have multiple problems with the House MD show. One, the guy's not really an American, so I that just blows my mind. Two, he he doesn't. Hugh Laurie? Yes. Hugh Hugh Laurie's a Brit, and and I loved him on on Brian Laurie. Well, he's pretending to be an American. That is cultural appropriation. And he does a pretty damn good job. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's there's I know there are a lot of people who watched House who have no idea he's British, which is fantastic. My parents included. They watched like some of the you know extras from the DVD or something, saw an interview and they're like, holy crap. Like, yes, he does a very good, you know, Americanized accent. No question about it. But is, this is cultural appropriation. Why do we have a British guy playing an American doctor? I mean, two, he's no, not no, actually no, no. a doctor. He's not a doctor. So this is also very dangerous he doesn't have a bad leg and he's not a drug addict so i actually have, actually he after did get eight a bad years leg. of playing oh, a character with a bad leg he got one <laughs> well congratulations it's like i came to california for arthritis i finally got it 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, okay. So there, okay, I'll take that one off the list. And it was a fantastically acted show. Also, um, you're you're talking about white culture, which is totally okay to appropriate. Oh, okay, that's yeah. true. The problem yeah, that's is, one of the white roles. culture is all appropriated. How do, how do you, yeah. you you're appropriating appropriated culture? Okay, uh, you want to know a deep dark secret? Almost all culture is. <laughs> Say it ain't so. Can yeah, you appropriate it's like the it's like somebody comes up with a good idea somewhere, and other people are like, "Hey, that's a good idea. Let's do that," and it becomes part of your culture. Congratulations, appropriation accomplished, achievement unlocked. <laughs> that's the way it should go. It that's, is the way it goes. That's how. That's uh, how you know the whole world is supposed to go. That's how people learn. That's how you know technology evolves. I don't understand why we're fighting all this, except again, it's a distraction. I only had one other thing and, and you can call this a mea culpa, although I won't, um, which is that there was some concern by somebody on, uh, on NAS, on no agenda social, where, uh, they were concerned because I said something earlier in this show about blocking somebody and they said, well, I consider blocking to be a hostile act. And, um, I agree. It, it is, uh, also, I have never blocked anybody on that site at all. Um, blocking is honestly really silly because from the perspective of the person doing pushing the button, blocking and muting are identical. The only thing you know, I don't want to see posts by this person anymore is is both of them do that. The only thing that blocking does is it causes you it, it, it adds a punishment on the other side, which is totally unnecessary and, and pointless and petty. And it, it feels like it's just a holdover from some awful bird site, which introduced the idea and is all about punishing people for wrong think. And I don't consider places like no agenda social to be appropriate sites for wrong think. So just, just to be clear, if you are ever worried about it, I, I think I've, I've, I've never blocked anybody on that site. And I think I've muted two or three people ever and only for 24 hours because they were spamming. Um, are you, are you honestly, if you, if you say shit, I don't want to read, then, then here's my secret technique and you can steal this one. You can even appropriate it if you want. If you're saying shit, I don't want to read. I don't read it. Problem I, solved. I just want to take the other side of that. I've blocked people a decent amount. And if somebody's being a troll and just looking to be a dick, in my opinion, I have no problem blocking them, but I would never block CSB. I don't mind people disagreeing. Yeah. And if I, I don't mind block people anybody, arguing, it would probably be you. You should. Uh, and I don't mind people arguing. I don't mind, you know, that. But, you know, like the one guy last week where it's like, oh, yeah, you told this guy to go to Nord, told truck driver, go to NordVPN. Oh, no, they they had this and this and this. And I'm like, well, no, they haven't. I'm like, well, you want to prove your point? And he's like, no, you prove yours first. And it's like, you know what? Screw you. I don't have time for that. Now, if it's somebody that legitimately wants to have a conversation, that's okay, fine. But, but honest question. Why do you choose block over mute? Because I don't want them to even consume my content. I don't really care to have anything else to do how, with them. How does it harm forward. you if they can read what you say? It doesn't, but I just figure it's a nice, easy way. Click done. But but so then they you. can't even respond to anything I say. So there's much less chance they're even going to try to troll. There you go. What's, I, mean, okay. I mean, they obviously need, can by going um, uh, logging out or going to another account. But OK, so we need I, I we need a tiebreaker. Billy Bones. I guess I honestly don't understand why why it's important to block unless you are are a petty asshole. John C. Dvorak says to do it. Well, okay, yeah, John C. Dvorak, uh, you're, you're reinforcing that my case. around all day. <laughs> yes, he does, and it works. It is a successful hey. way 
to deal with. And again, I use it on trolls, not people that I disagree with, not people that you can have a reasonable conversation with people that Wait, you in my me? estimation take things a little bit too far. No, I, you haven't gotten to that point yet. I mean, you need to try harder, but Billy Bones, <laughs> sorry. I want I, to know I, what you, where, where does Billy Bones? He's the tiebreaker in this one. Where do you come down on the block debate? Well, not in line with uh, either of you because I have yet to block or mute anybody on Twitter or on No Agenda Social. Was well, this on because you would well, never do never it? I've certainly never blocked or, anyone on Twitter. Or you just haven't had the uh, had the need yet? Oh uh, no, I've I've had plenty plenty of instances where it would be justified for me to do either or. Uh, it's mostly I'll I'll ignore the person. I'll let the the stream feed in. I give it as a means for information to come my way whether how no matter how absurd the documentation may be gives me a chance to read that and then if i feel like it i will go off do my own research as a for the counter narrative throw that in there whether or not they accept it uh it's still a mental and argumentative challenge that i see as a chance to improve uh my stance and ability to communicate something and maybe at some point in time in another point in my life where someone brings up that same BS information that's been posted by the troll, I can then come back and be like, here's my uh, alternative research. And again, whether or not you wish to consume and accept my research, I at least have an instant counterpoint for the garbage that you have decided to spew. So what do you do well, if, okay, somebody, High Road. if somebody targets you at every post you make on wherever it is? Every post you make, they respond back with "You're a dick," and every post, uh, fuck out. I I haven't I not haven't been there you. yet. I haven't been there yet. Nope. I'm not popular enough. No one yeah. knows about me. Okay, challenge yet. trolls. Yeah. <laughs> if you can piss <laughs> okay. Billy Bones yeah. off, everybody troll Billy Bones. <laughs> Bring it and, on! You will all lose against my argumentative skills. <laughs> I, I know you didn't. I know you didn't ask me, but the answer, Darren, is log out of Twitter because that's the place that that happens. Nobody does that on No Agenda Social. No, that's not true. It's happened on No Agenda Social. There, there are. Yeah, that was you though. In. No, it's coming in. <laughs> there are people in the Fediverse outside the Fediverse that are coming into No Agenda Social that are doing stuff like that, which was the, like the guy I blocked with the the truck driver NordVPN thing wasn't from no agenda social it was another one of these asshats from free speech extremist uh-huh I, that really that site i think attracts douchebags and if you're on that site i feel bad for you well uh, free speech be like that and i still think that the value of freedom of speech is much more important than having yeah, but, to ignore a few trolls but that's and yeah. I, here's here's my my foolproof method for avoiding some kind of troll like that and the first one is don't respond, because I will tell you one of the reasons why you get 300 trolling responses is because you fucking reply to every one of them. Maybe That's cause and true. effect here. I think you need to do but your homework. The foolproof method of avoiding some idiot on a social network. Close the tab. Walk away. Go outside. Pet your cat. Do anything else. Why, why would you stick around something that's infuriating you? I don't. And it's not. That's the okay. funny part about it. That's infuriation it, is the new social justice coin. Is right? it? Everybody's everybody wants a Bitcoin. Now you have the reason to be, to be triggered and, and socially outraged. And now you trust have me. Currency. I don't need a reason. <laughs> he wakes up in the morning. He's socially outraged. But that's just over. Oh, the, I woke up this morning. I was pretty fucking triggered. The burnt Somebody coffee. kept me up until well after midnight. 
well, it was the big night. It was the new year. Now we're into 2021. We are moving forward with the build back better extravaganza in the world. The, the, the UN will rule the, the George Soros. Uh, what is it? The, uh, what's his society called? It's, uh, it's whatever. It sounds like something out of a, uh, out of a bad movie, but, uh, the globalists, they're going to win. I can feel it unless people stand up and I'm not sure they will because I don't think people understand what reality is anymore. And it's for all the reasons we talked about today and more that I, I do believe the concept of reality. I mean, Adam and John, it used to be kind of a joke on the no agenda show with the dimension a dimension B, but I think we are fully in that system and not just for the nut jobs on either side of the aisle. I think this has been really normalized, especially over the last year, especially with things like the masking and the pandemic and all of this stuff is putting us firmly into the world. And we've talked about this. Uh, ben Rose, you brought this with you know Facebook serving different news to people that were conservative as those that were liberal. And so the world around you is completely different. Everything you see is completely different. And you don't understand how the people on the other side can feel the way they do. Remember when we used to call that gaslighting and considered it a bad thing? Yes. And now it's the it's the norm. But how do you get how do you get beyond that? I mean, log out, go outside. OK, pet a cat. when you get a majority of the world to log out, I'm in. But you, you do I, that. All it requires is some kind of bond villain with a critical attack on the infrastructure. Take out the power grid. Take out and the I internet. assure you, everybody will log out. Take out the Internet. Was that what the guy in Nashville was trying to do? But he was. Well, I don't know. It worked for Chicago. Yeah, it did. It took me out on Christmas Day. And uh, I mean, people for years are going to be like, why did he play that Petula Clark song downtown? And I'm like, well, maybe because he was downtown when he was. Blowing. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's that simple. Maybe it was his favorite song. And if you know, if you're going to believe that he was in the RV when it blew up, I mean, if you're going to blow yourself up, you're probably like the last thing you'd like to hear is something you like. So maybe that was his favorite song. Went out it's with not the, the dead hooker he picked up downtown. <laughs> I've seen. Okay, why didn't he pick up a hooker on his way out? I mean, come on, because he would have had to put it down again. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped. You're a very strange individual, <laughs> Mister Bemrose. But hey, that's what we're del- that's what we're delving into for 123 episodes now on the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. And uh, today's Friday, which means Monday will be episode one two four. Get in on the fun, Grumpy Old Ben's dot com slash donate soon i'm sure we'll be getting another point zero zero three three bitcoin donation from comic strip blogger i mean it's almost the 30 grand today bitcoin well, no he, he 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 may or he may give up entirely because i threatened to block him well csb random thoughts is also a very good show to donate to just saying r-a-n-d-u-m-b thoughts dot com and, and you know that darren blocks everybody Right. Everybody. I've got to have to look. I think there's like three people on no agenda social that I block. Um, And of course, Billy Bones is a worthy person for some donations as well. If you like his podcast, CSB, and that's available at is it a walk through the mind dot com? Nope. Billy Bones dot com. B-I-L-L-Y-B-O-N, the number three S dot com. I put it I put it under my name, under me. So that way you can find the podcast itself. You can find. Uh, the link to the SoundCloud. You can find the link to contact me. You can find the link to the donation page. 
at just me, billybones.com. And you want us to believe your legal name is B-I-L-L-Y-B-O-N-3-S. That's what it is online. That's my legal name. Let's not leave. Well, I've, I've, I've seen it on the internet. It's real. Yes. But do you have a license to podcast? Uh, I don't think Adam has sent me that yet. Oh, well I then. Should, I should get on him that for that because I keep sending the, uh, the podcaster license donation once a month. <laughs> we never get the podcast license. Well, we have to pull your show off the stream if you don't have the license. I'm sorry. And there, there are fines involved. They're, they're very large. I will block you. <laughs> they're right up there with the mask fines. But we'd like to thank you, Billy Bones, for joining us here on this very special New Year's Day edition of the grumpiest podcast in the universe. And you're welcome anytime as our a whole list. We have a bunch of people we want to get on. Illuminatia. I told her last night we want to get her on grumpy old Ben's to talk about all of this, uh, all of this crazy PCR stuff. And she said she would enjoy doing it. I want to get her on before she has the kid. Cause then she's going to be a little busier. So we need to, uh, we'll get on that post. Hey, so you'll be hearing some Illuminatia at some point here on grumpy old Ben's. And if you'd yeah, like to be on the show, kids don't scream quite as much before they're born. Yes. A little less, a little less. Although, uh, <laughs> you know, it depends. Your mileage may vary. If you want to be on the show, if you do a podcast, reach out, Darren, at GrumpyOldBenz.com. But with all that said, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, where it may be 2021, but we're still going to shoot people. And from America's left coast, where I need a block button for 2020, I'm Ryan Bimrose. You need a block button for this show. (laughs) 